This is the JVS Show. I'm Ian Lee, standing in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. And on the big phone-in, I'm asking... Can couples from different faiths ever last? The divorce of Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes takes up more column inches in the papers today. And it's been widely reported that the reason behind the decision is that the 33-year-old actress was unhappy about the prospect of their daughter, Suri, being taught in line with his faith, Scientology. Katie Holmes, who was raised a Catholic, filed for divorce from her husband of five years last week in New York. She's now said to have enrolled their six-year-old into a Catholic school. Well, many relationships cross faith barriers, and as religion can be a core part of who a person is, do these couples have to work harder to make those relationships work? Today, I'm asking, can couples from different faiths ever last? Whatever your story, I'd like to hear it. Perhaps you married someone with a different religion to you and the biggest hurdle was getting the in-laws to come to terms with your decision. Maybe, from your experience, it doesn't work. You tried it and the pressures were too great. Once the first flush of romance had passed, you realised your different faiths made you incompatible. Or maybe you're living proof that relationships like this can be a success. You've been together for years, even though others said it wouldn't work. So today, I'm asking, can couples from different faiths ever last? The JVS Show. Share your view. Make your point. Call 08459 455 555. That's 08459 455 555. The JVS Show. BBC Three Counties Radio. And do give us a call. If you've got a view on this, if you've got a story or personal experience, do give me a call. And you were very kind yesterday, filling in for, for Jonathan. You were very kind uh, in, in calling up and speaking to me. So if you'd like to do that today, 08459 455 555. Can couples from different faiths ever last? You can also text 81333. Start your text with 3CR or, or email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. We've got Sarah in Luton. Hello, Sarah. Hiya. How are you doing this morning? You right? I'm all right, thank you. Now, you have dated a Muslim for three years. Yes. Can I ask, what's your faith background, if you have one? Um, I don't really have a faith, to be honest. I wasn't really brought up as any faith. Okay, so you're kind of atheist, maybe agnostic. Yeah. And how, is, how has it been going out with a Muslim? Has it been difficult? Have there been uh, the problems? Um... When we first started dating, there wasn't really any problems. And right. um, it sort of be a whole new experience of finding someone that you really love. Um, and just sort of into the relationship about a year in, um, you know, things were starting to get more serious. Um, I had obviously um, invited him around to my family and we'd, you know, had family dinners together and things. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, when am I going to meet your family? Um, and that's sort of how it's been for the past three years. I still haven't met his family um, any of his brothers or sisters, and it's just sort of make or break point at the moment. After sort of three and a half years, you've been together for three and a half years, and you've never met his family. No, <laughs> no. Has has he said why? What does he say when you ask him? Well, well, it's, it's sort of been an issue for us for a really long time. And it broke us up at one point, um, and at the point of me getting back together, I said, "Look, we're going to have to, you know, do this or not at all." Um, and it's just kind of been excuse after excuse. And I, d- I don't know whether it's um, because he's worried about his family's reaction. Um, but it, it's also sort of, yeah, it's fine. It's just got to be the right moment. And I'm kind of waiting for the right moment, you know? 
But you've been waiting for the right moment for three and a half years. Yeah, <laughs> I know, and that's that's why. I mean, we're talking about moving in together now. Um, I'm thinking about the future of my children, and it, it's just to the point where you know. I mean, everything else in the relationship, I can deal with the not eating pork and things like that. I, he hasn't asked me to convert. Um, but I wouldn't really, because there's nothing for me to convert to, because I don't really believe in any kind of a God. Um, so it would be sort of wrong of me to try and be something I'm not. Um, but everything else I can kind of deal with, but I'm very family-orientated, and obviously it will be my children's grandparents there, you know, the, the, his side of the family. So, How do you, Were your family fine when they met him? There was no issues there? Yeah, I mean, the, the, my mum's always been, you know, if he treats you right, if you're happy together, then that's fine. It's just obviously if other issues come up. So he has sort of been invited to our Christmas meals. He's been invited to sort of family gatherings. He's been invited to weddings. Um, and I feel like, well, he should reciprocate in that sense because he's been to family weddings on his own. Has he really? Yeah. <laughs> and you're obviously, you're talking about kids and moving yeah. in. And you're thinking yeah. of this as the relationship, as a long-term prospect. Yeah, but with funny. with that that hang, that cloud hanging over it of mm. not having met his parents, that and his whole family, that must kind of put a strain on things. It, it's definitely put a strain on things, and and it's also um, I feel like I'm giving up a lot, and he's not giving up much in terms of. I mean, he said he could lose his whole family if it doesn't work out right, and he wants to be sure about me 100% before he introduces because he wants to introduce someone that he's going to be engaged to. So he wants to get engaged before he introduces me. And I'm at the point, well, actually, I need to know what I'm marrying into before I get engaged. So we're at that kind of a stage um, where one of us has to give, and I don't know who it's going to be. He says he wants to be sure. Mm. You'd think after three and a half years you'd have a pretty good idea. Yeah, but, but the thing is, though, is that I don't want to... I mean, I don't know his family. I don't mm. know the culture. I can only go by my own personal experience. I don't know what everyone else will, will think out there when they're listening to this, but I can only go by what he tells me mm. because I haven't met his family. I haven't met that side of things. So I don't... I can only go by what he tells me. And, I, you know, it, I'm assuming that if when things are right, with his family that he will introduce me but i'm at the point where i can't carry on anymore well you said earlier that you split up how long did you split up for the first time um a couple, good couple of months and you're saying now that you're at the, you're at a breaking point really mm. where you just can't you, you can't take this anymore is it a, a, an option to split up again could you end this relationship if he doesn't concede yeah i mean i, th- I think i'm at that point where i might do if i don't give him a time limit um, and we don't, you know, it's, it's full steam ahead now, you know, and I think I'm going to have to say to him, if I don't meet them by this date, then that's it. Wow. And, and it's putting pressure on him. I really don't want to do that um, because, you know, there's, there's other things happening with his family. His mum's not well. And I'm thinking, well, is, is that another excuse or is she really not well? And I hate to feel like that. I hate mm. to think like that. Well, um, it, it's, ne- it, it's never fair to put pressure on in a relationship, but no. it sounds like you've been kind of patient uh enough yeah i mean you were talking about like um the the religion side of things and bringing up children and i feel like i'm giving up it's it's a i don't want to be racist but i'm giving up my idea of how i thought i would bring up my children Mm. when i was growing up um and i'm happy for them to be muslim and i'm happy for them to even have a muslim name i feel like i'm giving up so much of my preconceived ideas of when i was growing up of how marriage and life would be and i just need him to give up something you know 
Have you met his friends? Um, a few of them, but they're sort of the white British friends. Wow. I haven't met any of his Asian friends. Really? Mm. I'm amazed, and, uh, you know, I'm not judging in, in the slightest, but I'm amazed you've managed to stick this so long. It does sound very <laughs> one-sided. Yeah, it does feel a bit one-sided, but, but uh, you know, he does do a lot for me, and we are, we are in love. We are yeah. trying to make this work, um, and, and it's the point where I'm thinking, well, should I really be trying, or should it just happen? Um, and I'd really like to listen to the show and see if people have made it work. Well, if anyone has, 08459 455 555. One final question, then I'll let you go, Sarah. If he yeah. said to you, look, there are problems at home. If you converted to, to Islam, if you became a Muslim, I could take you back home, we could get married, everything would be fine. Would you be prepared to do that? No. You wouldn't? No. Because I don't believe in mm. a God, so I can't pretend that I, I then suddenly believe you know, in his religion, because that would that would be fake, you know, and there's more to it, there's culture, there's a language, I can't understand his language, so um, there's a lot of things there that, that I would be pretending to be when I'm not. Sarah, I, I, I wish you the best of luck, I'm, uh, you know, you. I'm, I'm shocked <laughs> by that, and I, I hope things work out. Keep listening, because someone might phone in who has been in a similar situation and, and has worked yeah. through it, so you, you never know. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. There we go. That was honesty, wasn't it? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Have you been in a situation like that? I find that incredible. Three and a half years. She's not met his family. Only met some of his friends. Would you be able to last that long? The question we're asking today is: Can couples from different faiths ever last? And it is more than just the two people involved in the relationship, isn't it? The families get involved. Friends get involved. Uh, it, it, it's a tough one. Very interested to hear your story. 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee filling in for JVS. Good morning, this is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Uh, we're asking, can couples from different faiths ever last? This is after uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Katie Holmes are splitting. One of the reasons being cited in the press, and you know, take it all with a huge bag of salt, uh, is that she is unhappy about the prospect of their daughter being brought up as a Scientologist. Um, and while we don't want to talk about them specifically, I'm keen to hear your stories about how this has worked for you if it has worked can couples from different faiths ever last let's go to another sarah sarah in buckinghamshire hello sarah hello there uh what's your experience um well i'm a, a practicing christian yep. um very quiet christian i'm not in church every weekend but i'm very much a practicing christian um, my husband has no faith whatsoever he thinks it's total bum bumkum um and we've been married for 17 years well, there you go. So that, that proves that it works. Did you have a discussion before you got to, before you kind of got married and you said, well, you know, hang on, this is what I believe, you don't believe. So did you kind of talk about it before? Um, uh, we did. I mean, it wasn't a kind of we have something we've got to talk about. It, it just kind of came up in conversations that, that you have. And, um, and he's very respectful of, of, of my views. I'm very respectful of his. Um, I, think, I think marriage is... is you have to work at it, whatever, your, your faith and your mm. religion and all the rest of it. And I think, yeah, absolutely being honest about it and talking about it. But it, it, it doesn't really kind of get in the way. I mean, the funniest thing is my 15-year-old son's an Odinist. Um, and so his faith is totally and utterly hang different from mine. Sarah, hang on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound ignorant. What's an Odinist? <clears throat> um, he wears a Thor's hammer, and it's a Norsk um, religion. I mean, it goes back to Odin and all the rest of it, but it's not, it's not violent and, and all of that, which you would automatically think with Vikings and, and all the rest of it. Um, <clears throat> but his faith is very, very different to mine. He wears a Thor's hammer. I've never heard, I've, I've, I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's... it's um, what, what, what god do they uh, pray to, Thor? Odin. Odin? Yeah. 
Wow. I'm amazed. How did he get into that? Um, well, he's always had a really, really deep interest in yeah. Scandinavian um, things, and and um, and it's just something that he's always just had this natural leaning towards. Wow. Um, in the in the point that he's sort of learning Swedish and Danish and, and all the rest of it, um, and it's just something that really kind of captivated him, and he believes. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the faith that he can buy into. That's 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 the thing, isn't it? Is is if you believe it, then you know. Uh, at, w- at what point did he? come home and say mum dad i've got something to tell you um i think he asked me about three years ago so he yeah. was about 12 at that point if um he could have a um a Thor's hammer for his his birthday wow um and i just said absolutely <laughs> not not a problem and the, the the bigger problem was trying to convince the school that for him it was very much a religious emblem and that he he wanted God. to be able to wear it oh you can imagine the the, the school going well he's not bringing a hammer into school <laughs> it's not <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's a fairly big um, pendant. Right. And it's, 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 it's around his neck that yeah. he wears it on a, on a chain. That's yeah. incredible. Are, are there Odinist churches, then? Um, I would imagine probably so in um, in, in Scandinavia right. and, and the, the North Country, certainly not. I'm amazed. I've never here. heard of this. Okay, but going back to you and your husband, has, has the... I mean, does he go to church with you and things? Um, no. No, he doesn't. Right. Because I'm not, I'm not uh, Christian, but every now and then on a Sunday, if I've got nothing to do, I'll go to church, just because it's quite nice. I quite like the stories and the songs and the tradition of it, and, um, you know, it's quite a pleasant way to spend a couple of hours, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, it's fascinating. And uh, does he... I would be slightly jealous of you, if I were your husband, because you've got, um, you've got someone else to talk to, haven't you? You've got, like, an extra person who you can kind of go off and have a chat with, and, and, and it's all private. And uh, does he not get jealous of that relationship that you have with your God? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, 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 I talk to him as, as much as I talk to my God. And I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, there have been times when I've, I've um, raised my fists to heaven almost and said, you know, come on, sort it out then. Yep, yep. This, this isn't working now. Yep. Um, but, but no, not at all. I mean, I was speaking to Ben, and I mean, we got married in a registry office, um, not because... Um, he didn't want to get married in church, but because I didn't want to get married yeah. in church. Sarah, listen, it's fascinating. Thank you very much. I got I got married in church, not religious, and we got married in church, and we had to do the thing where um, we had to go to church for a few weeks, uh, and we had a meeting with the, the vicar, who was a lady vicar, very modern. Uh, why Why is it important for you to get married in church? I said, oh, because it's like a nice building in the tradition, and because we want to do it in the eyes of God. Look terrible, I lied to a vicar. That's very, very naughty. Uh, 08459 Can couples from different faiths ever last? We've got uh, Emma on the line. Hello, Emma. Hello, good morning. Oh, everyone's so perky this morning. <laughs> it's such a miserable day out there. Oh, uh, don't worry. <laughs> and it's all, everyone's all happy and, uh, we're, I think summer is officially over now. Emma. Oh, don't give up. No, that's it, it's, it's gone. Get it's get better. No, it's gone, it happened, it was yesterday. Okay. Yes, yesterday was great and that's it, it's over. Right. What's your story, Emma? Uh, just very briefly, I, um, I was with um, a partner for seven years. Yep. He was Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been brought up um, in the Church of England. Um go to church, etc. Um, I was with him for seven years, and a bit like your earlier caller Sarah said, um, I sort of got so wrapped up in it, I thought I'd give up my identity. Right. And I could see a point where I even said to him, I remember sitting in a cafe and saying to him, oh, it's fine if the children go to the mosque and are brought up as Muslims. Right. And, I, and now when I think back, I was, I was only young, I was in my 20s, and I think back, and I would have given up everything. And I hadn't met his family. 
and it has been seven years. Seven years of not meeting someone's so, family. On, for the whole seven years? Seven years. I'd met his brother. Just one brother. Oh, That's right. it. Not his mum. Not his, you know, relatives. Just one brother. Not his friends. He said he didn't have many friends. I find this, I and mean, this is similar to Sarah's story, I find this yeah. fascinating. I, mean, I don't think it's just a Muslim thing. I think it can go both ways oh, as well. Sure. It's just a coincidence sure. that we have two stories around that. Exactly. That's why I called, because I just thought, I hope that young lady isn't feeling, well, I'm sure she is, you know, all at odds. And she doesn't want to give up someone she loves. Mm. She truly, I bet she loves him to bits. Um, and it's just, just looking back, I think I could have lost so much. So what caused the split in the end? Was it that? Myself, I suddenly came, because my friends were saying to me, what is going on here? Seven years and you haven't got an engagement ring, you've not met his friends, you've not met his family. And all the time I was making, in my head, I was making, you know, clear reasons for it. I was thinking, oh, this time something's happened, another time something else has happened. And it just got to the point, I thought, I'm fooling myself. Really, I'm fooling myself after seven years. Nothing's going to happen. And of course, at the end, he pleaded, oh, come on, we'll make things work. And But you know when you're ready to walk away. From <laughs> I think after seven years, you'd have a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah. What would he say when you say, so we're going to meet your parents this weekend? What, what, what excuses would he come All up with? All different ones. All, oh, you name it, he said it. This is going on. That's going on. You're Christian. I'm Muslim. They're going to find it hard to. You're going to find it hard to adjust. I was like, no, I'll be fine. Mm. And it was all things like that. It was just, oh, the culture. It's going to be too shocking for you. And he met your family and friends. Yeah, he met my mum and dad. And they were all fine with it. And they were well, they weren't fine with it. But oh, really? They said, yeah, they weren't fine with it. But they were like, well, if that's your decision, then. And they weren't fine with it because he was Muslim. They weren't fine with it because they didn't think we culturally could get on together and also i'm not being a snob i'm just going to be honest be honest say, come on yeah status wise you right. know it might be fine in your 20s but later on in life you're at two different educational levels so things aren't going to pan out maybe the way emma are you saying that you're posh <laughs> You've got I'm a posh laugh. I'm, prob- I'm probably the silly one. You right, know. okay. But, um, yeah. Uh, and your friends were constantly saying, um, uh, your friends were constantly saying, you're a fool, Emma, for goodness sakes. Mm, yeah, but they're honest with me, and I yeah. like honest people, and well, I didn't listen. I didn't listen. So we, The thing is, when friends, friends can see things slightly from a distance, mm. can't they, relationships? And whenever friends say, what are you doing going out with him or going out with her? Mm. You're always like, no, 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 you're wrong. You don't, you don't know what they're really like. Yeah. And then you, it sounds exactly. like after seven years you found out what he was really like. And I, well, actually, to be honest, I still don't think to this day I know what he's really like. Really? Yeah. Mm. Because I wouldn't, I, I, I don't think, even after seven years, I've still got those rose-tinted glasses yeah. on. Silly, but yeah. Emma, listen, thank you for that. I don't thank know if it, if it offers much hope to Sarah, who called in earlier on, but it's definitely interesting to get another perspective on it. So thank you very much for that. 08459 555. See, I'm fascinated by this. Seven years without meeting his family. And a constant barrage of excuses. And, well, you know, maybe we'll do this. Well, it's been, you know... Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. What's your story? If you've uh, we had Sarah calling in earlier on, who hadn't met her, had been going out with a boyfriend for three and a half years, hadn't met his family. Is uh, can we give any optimistic help and advice? Can we can we say something that might give her a little bit of hope? Uh, Dennis is in Bishop Stortford. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Yeah. Well, what's what's your take on all of this? Can can couples uh, from different faiths ever last? Uh, well, I'm in my early sixties. The uh I've been married twice, once for seven years, one for 17 years. Right. 
Church of England thing, but the only time I ever went to church was the, you know, the baptisms, the, uh, uh, for the children, the weddings, and, the, and a few funerals. But, mm. uh, so I'm not uh, an, an average church. Uh, uh, it wasn't discussed, you know, uh, uh, do we go to church every Sunday? You know, I think the children might have gone to some Sunday school when it was done, but it, the first year, we did the first uh, marriage when it was seven years, and we didn't have any children. The second year, I had a second marriage, we had uh, two children. So I think that binds us together much more stronger than faith did. So you Does think that, you think that you can overlook faith, that, that love is more important? Uh, or love and children, yeah. I mean, faith is just faith. I mean, unless you're a born Catholic or church being where you're going to church every Sunday morning, that's a different thing. But uh, I'm just one of those things, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't go out my way to go to church. I, I'm too busy, I'm afraid, you know. Uh, God looks after his own, you know. Yeah, but some, some of these faiths uh, are, are, are quite um, staunch, and some people take their faith quite staunchly and 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 follow everything to the letter and 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 uh, mm. that could cause problems couldn't it no not with me it wouldn't no no <laughs> <laughs> it's, my, it's, it's my way or no way <laughs> well good dennis you could cause problems then no no sir i mean i've been out with about 20 women all in their 50s good, good not young not not young children not, not young ladies but faith has never been brought up you know if they want to get married you know uh, yeah so uh I think they're the same attitude as me, you know, you go by the person, yep. and maybe if you've got children, you go by the children, but uh, faith is for just a small minority, I'm afraid. Uh, Dennis, thank you very much for that. If, uh, uh, if only everyone agreed with that. And you say that the children can bring you together, well, sometimes the children can, can, can kind of push you apart. If you've got differing views on how to raise the children, then that can cause arguments. And I would imagine... So I don't have um, any faith. I believe in a higher power, but that's kind of it. Uh, and my wife, she kind of is vaguely. She has a vague thing, but nothing that, 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 that would get in the way of anything. But I imagine if one of you has a strong religious belief and the other doesn't, uh, or has a strong differing religious belief, then they're going to have different views on bringing up children. I think that's when the real problems can start. If you are in a relationship... Uh, um, and you've got different faiths. How has it affected the way you bring up your children? I'd be interested to know if one of you, say one of you's a Catholic, and you're adamant that the children are going to be Catholic, and one of you's a Muslim or an atheist, and you're adamant that they're going to be brought up believing what you believe. How does that work? Because I think that once kids get involved in relationships, man, it's a whole different kettle of fish, isn't it? It's suddenly, suddenly there's, a, there's other people living with you. Uh, 08459 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. My name's Ian Lee. Uh, I'm filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith this week. Now it's time for The Travel with Adam Glynn. Thank you very much for that, Adam. This is Ian Lee filling for Jonathan Vernon-Smith in the first hour. We're asking, can couples from different faiths ever last? Uh, are you in a relationship with someone of a different faith? Did it put you off at all? Maybe when you kind of found out that they were of a different belief system to you, you were kind of... Well, maybe I don't want to go any further with this. Can love overcome these differences? I don't know if it can. Love is the most powerful and amazing force. But can it overcome this? I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure that it can. Be interesting. I'd love to get your views on this. 08459 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. On FM, AM and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning, Beds, Hearts and Bucks. It's the JVS Show. I'm Ian Lee, standing in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. And after 11, I'll be looking at your consumer problems. I love this bit of the show. And going back to Peter. Now, Peter told us that he applied for 20 tickets for the Paralympics. He ordered them in September last year and paid £760. I received confirmation on the 8th of November that my application was successful and that I would receive the tickets in, in a very broad statement in summer 2012. So... As time is knocking on, I'm getting very concerned. Peter says he's tried phoning the number on the website but can't get through. What's happened? We'll find out later. And after 10, I'll be asking, is there something stopping you from getting a job? Unemployment in the UK has fallen by 35,000 in the three months to February. There are now 2.65 million people in receipt of job seekers' allowance. But the drop, the drop doesn't mean it's easier getting a job. After 10, I'll be speaking to Simon from Milton Keynes. Simon has been unemployed for over a year and at 43 is finding it very, very hard to get a job. And not just because there aren't that many out there. Hear his story after 10. But now, back to the big phone Plenty more coverage in today's papers about the divorce of Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise. The reason cited for their split appears to be her reluctance to allow their daughter to be taught in line with his faith, Scientology. 33-year-old Katie was raised a Catholic. Well, relationships can face many trials and couples have to work at their differences. But what does it mean when one of those differences is religion? Can couples from different faiths ever last? And I'm really keen to hear from you if you've got kids and it's affected the way you've brought up your children. If you've had a discussion with your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend uh, about, well, hang on, we're doing it my faith, not yours. No, it's mine. 08459 455555. Do you notice that I'm I'm, I'm gingerly uh, stepping around the word partner? hate the word partner. Uh, let's go to Marina in Dunstable. Good morning, Marina. Good morning. How are you, my dear? Fine, thank you. Uh, now, you are a Catholic. Yes. Um, and your husband wasn't. No. What was he? Anything? Uh, Church of England. He was a Church of England, okay. Yeah. And and did that cause any problems? No, none whatsoever. Really? No, no. I mean, when we went to the priest where I used to live in London, he said, I'll change. He said, no, you don't have to. You just carry on the way you are. And nothing altered. And the children were brought up Catholics. It's up to them if they kept it. And one thing, no. No. Wonderful. He'd go out of his way if we was on holiday, find a church for me. Yeah, it was wonderful. He's no longer with me, sadly. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But that sounds like he was amazing. But when you say he was Church of England, was it because I'm kind of, uh, you know, on all the official forms, I'm Church of England. Yeah, but but he never used to go much. There you go, you say. No, but all my children were christened. It's up to them. Yeah. You know? Uh, one lives in Holland, and I don't know where the other one is, but um, I hope he's listening. But no, no, he said, come on, get ready quick, you've got to go to church. And when he's on holiday, go and find a church for me. Rita, can I ask you a question? Yeah? You said you don't know where the other one is. And my son. Why, why is that? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know, I haven't done anything. I cried my eyes out, but oh. I thought, well, why should I cry? He knows where I live, you know? Marina, I'm it's sorry shame. to hear that. It is a shame. That's very sad. Yeah. Was there a falling out or anything? No, or just... no, 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 no. Oh, well, I'm no. sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, but he, he was a, a, a lovely fellow, very clever. And my daughter lives in Holland. Yeah. She's, uh, she's doing well. So, I mean, I don't interfere with them. No. It. If they want advice, I'll give it. Well, that's, I think that's good, that's yeah, good parenting. My, my husband, because he was six foot odd. How, well, hang on, how tall are you? 
Four foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a giant, really, because I've got a twin brother. Hang on, so you're, you're four foot something? Four foot uh, eight or something. No, very small. Four foot eight? No, and you're, four uh, foot five, something like that. Four very foot tiny. five? And your husband was six foot? Yes, yes. W- without going into too much detail, how did that work? Lovely. <laughs> yeah, wonderful man. Very handsome. <laughs> Very tall. He sounds like a lovely man. And he, yeah. would, and he was prepared to con- convert to Catholicism yeah, for you? Yeah, and that we had, he was very serious, and I was shaking my... sitting outside waiting because he was gone in. And he came out and said, I told him not to change his religion. He's OK. You're all right. Don't uh, worry. Marina, it's yeah. b- uh, listen, it's been lovely talking to yeah, you. Do, and you. do call care. me again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. There we go. What a delightful lady. And isn't it interesting? Just You just poke a little bit, and what stories you get. What's, I wanted to ask so much more there and didn't about her son. So much more. And didn't. I think with Catholicism and Church of England, obviously they're different, but they kind of come from a similar place, don't they? And maybe there isn't too much difference between those two religions. They have a lot of common ground. So perhaps it's a little bit easier being in a relationship when it's a Catholic and, and a Church of England. And how many people say they're Church of England when really... You know, I, I put it on forms and things just because it's a box to tick. But I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not a believer in that respect. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Let's go to Asan in Milton Keynes. Hello, Asan. Oh, hello, mate. Uh, what, what's your story? Well, it's not, it's not me. It's my best mate. He, yeah. um, he was, he, he's actually married to a Christian girl. He's a Muslim. He's a Muslim, right? He's a Muslim. He's married to a Christian girl. But it's just, a, it's the way he did it. Go on. Um, th- there's. There's two kinds of when it comes to these sort of if you want to, if you're a Muslim you want to marry a Christian or if you want to marry someone of a different faith you have to sort of really really want it because it is it is hard it's not sort of easy when but you say hard hard from from where family it's, it's hard for families it's hard for each other because you've got no support sometimes you've got no support it's like the only support you've got is your friends but every time you go home it's it's that same especially if you're not if you haven't left home yet it's like you get it continuously it's like continuously stressed the minute you get up to the minute you sleep family will be like you it won't be something they talk about but it'll be in the of their mind like oh he's going doing something against the traditions he's doing something wrong he's doing this and you have to sort of deal with it so it can get like mentally a little bit bog you down mm. but that there's two ways you can do it my, my mate he did it in a completely different way he didn't spring it on his mum and dad when he met the girl he's married to now he fell in love he met her at uni and um he sort of he knew that she was like the one day he loved and he wanted to marry blah 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 so he sort of started asking the questions at home he didn't just tell him straight away i'm going to marry a christian girl blah 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 he sort of introduced it slowly he said you know no what would you do if i liked someone so he started bringing the like religion like you know in the quran it says you can marry someone who's a christian or a jew you know you can do this you can do that and what would you think of this what would you think to-? just sort of over a year a year and a half he would sort of make them think about things they've never thought about before so they before it was something that was completely taboo and now they could actually eventually got to the point where you could have a conversation with them about it yeah so eventually he basically said that i'm just uh, doing a project or something at, at uni and there's just some people i've got to work with there'll be some people coming to the house so he basically told his parents that the girl he wanted to marry his girlfriend was actually his friend just so they could gauge a little bit of an idea of what she's like without having that whole side image with it if you know what i mean yeah and then they liked her, but they didn't think, but at that point, they didn't know she was anything. They just got on fine, it was, it was normal, everything was, it was great. And then eventually, again, another year later, after more talking and talking and talking, he came out and his mum just asked him, like, do you like someone? Is it something going on? And he just told the truth. And he said, yeah, there is, and I want you to meet her. And they met her 
the same day, and for a little while it was still really a little bit uncomfortable, but it wasn't as it would have been if they didn't have any warning. Mm. It was straight away, out of the blue, because it's a really true, like, Islam, and if families, a lot of these families have come from Pakistan and Indian places like that to Britain, but whereas Pakistan and India have changed now, they've gone more modern, but the guys that have come here, they're still stuck in the old way from back home. So it's really difficult for them to sort of change that thinking. But if you do it slowly and not scare them with it, they'll... They, they are more like, and now they've accepted it, it's all fine, they've had kids, there's, there's never been a problem, they all do everything together, the family's all cool, and she's, you know, whenever she's at, around there, she's, you know, nor, it's, just, nor, it's just normal, you can't, no one cares, and after a couple of weeks, everyone has something else to talk about, so, it, no, no, it, it, it's just temporarily that it's difficult, but if you really want to do it, you can do it, he did it, he proved it, and that was his parents, or some of the strictest people, even I used to be scared when he stand out there after. <laughs> I'm a Muslim. I used to be like, oh, God, is he going to ask me questions about my I don't know anything. How strict, how strict were they? We're talking strict, strict. Not strict as in, you know, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna beat you up and stuff. No. But it's like the dad was, um, he was a teacher. Uh, the mum, she was also a teacher, so like educated or very clever. They knew, you know, they knew about how the world works. Mm. But they were just strict. They were like, right, this is, we are, this is our identity, and this is how we're going to stay. You know, they weren't like, we, we don't like Christians, we don't like this, we don't like that. But they were very, like, traditional with the, the clothes they wear, the way they had their house. I know this is, I don't mean in a bad way, but the way they had their house decorated was very traditional. You know, plastic sheets on the sofas and stuff so they can eat on the floor. And it was just, it was a bit, it was a bit, it was a bit, like, it was a bit difficult like that. But then, um, every time you used to go, you'd, like, quiz you, ask you about, like, what do you know about the religion? Do you know this? Do you know wow. that? Like, me, obviously, I'd never know anything. So I'd, I'd always be like, what do your parents teach you? And I'm like, well, obviously not the right stuff, but still, I'm, I'm still a Muslim. And then after all, I just, how he did it with them, I just never thought anyone could change. And the way they are now, it's proof. If they yeah. could do it, then it, I'm pretty sure if you just took it slowly and slowly introduced your parents to the idea, talked to them and gave them time and like over time, they, it, that's how we did it. And now it's completely fine. If they can do it, I don't think there's many people who are going to get more stricter than them a lot. Well, you said, so, an in- Asan, you said an interesting thing, and I'm picking this up about all of them, but you said it about the parents, that they're, that they're teachers and they're very intelligent. Yeah. And so maybe the fact that they are so intelligent makes it well, easier for them to accept because they, you, they yeah. could, they, 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 they're not powered by fear. They're pa- they can look at this in an intellectual way as well as an emotional way. Well, that's what they said. They said that, you know, they said, fine, if you want to do this, you can do it, but then what about the children? Is it going to cause problems between, you know, like, if your wife wants them to be Christian, if you want them to be Muslim, what if, you know, if you don't drink, what if at Christmas they're going to be around there drinking, how are you going to feel? They didn't, because they could have really blown up at him. I thought they were going to absolutely give him a right slap, but they didn't. They just, because of how he'd introduced them, they'd have, ty- they'd have time to sort of, I think they'd probably talked about it themselves, they mm. kind of knew, so they'd come up with, well, if this is the case, it's obviously not just jumping from girl to girl, it's obviously the same conversation that's coming up time and time again, for years, so it's obviously something serious. Asan, very quickly, you may, they've got kids, have they? Uh, yeah, they've got one kid, yeah. And, and what faith is, is the child brought up in? Uh, I don't. I don't actually know because the, the, the missus, she's Christian, but she's not. A, she's not very sort of religious. Right. He's a Muslim, but he's not. I, I don't want to say he's not religious, but he's not like the most. Yeah. Um, religious of people, you know what I mean? Okay. But I'm, I've never really sort of asked, but I, I don't. I, I think um, they'll probably let the let the boy make his own choice yeah. when he's old enough. You know. Asan, thank you for that. I really enjoyed that. Do people really keep the plastic on the sofas? I, I thought that was a myth.
I didn't know that happened at all. Thank you for that, Asan. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. It's, uh, just it's fascinating. Maybe it is intelligence makes it slightly slightly different because with, with intelligence you can look at things logically and intellectually, and fear isn't such an important aspect if you're a parent. Maybe I don't know. I'm trying to get my head around this and work this out. It's a tough one, isn't it? I wouldn't care. Who my son married? He's two and a half. I don't care. Gay or straight, I, I, any religion, I've got, I don't care. As long as he is happy and safe, that's all that matters. I'm saying that now he's two and a half. Who knows what I'm going to say when, he, when he's 20. Uh, 08459 Let's go to uh, Anne in Luton. Hello, Anne. Hi there. What's your story, Anne? Well, um, it's my daughter's friend, actually. Yep. She went out with a Muslim guy for about seven years. Yeah. It was like her first love. Yeah. And she was head over heels uh, with him. But um, after about seven years, she wouldn't convert to his religion. And uh, he just dumped her, basically. Because of because she wouldn't convert? Yeah. Well, what it was, his family were really strict. Right. And the, with the respect for the family and the religion and everything, he just wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't marry her unless she converted. He didn't actually meet his family at all in that seven years. He stayed over at her house, met, you know, went to all the parties and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's another story of of the girl not meeting the guy's family. You would have thought, though, that early on in the relationship, I say early on, within the first couple of years, the um, issue of her converting would have come up and they could have addressed that then. Yeah, well, she she was a devout Christian anyway. Right. But, you know, her love, she didn't care what religion he was, because she loved him so much. But it didn't seem like that to him. You know, he, he was more, uh, well, not scared, but he feared his, his family and his religion and, and being, like, cut off from the family more than his love for her. And did, how long ago did they split up? about two years and she's never been out of anybody since. Really? And it was her first love? Yeah. Yeah. First loves are always... Oh, no. They're, t- they're, tough, <laughs> they're tough to get over and a seven-year first love, that's tough. Yeah, does she see him around same, at all? Does she, does she have any contact with him? No, nothing at all now. He's married to a Muslim girl now with two children. Mm. Yeah. Uh, she must be heartbroken. She is, yeah. I mean, they go out and about and, that, and you know, they meet guys, but I think it's knocked her confidence, really. Yeah. I mean, you can't blame him, really, because that's the way he's been brought up. Yeah. It's like that guy just said just now, in Pakistan, they're sort of, they've, they're coming to the modern times, but here, some of the Muslim communities stay stuck in, in the old times, you know. Uh, and thank you for that. Well, some of them do. I, I think if it, the, the older generations uh, perhaps do. Maybe... Um, is that kind of passing now, with each passing of, 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 of each new generation? Does that kind of stuck-in-the-olden-times attitude... Is that getting fainter? Or is that me just being hopelessly optimistic? Oh, eight four five nine, four double five five double five. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. This morning, uh, in the first hour of the show, we're asking, um, the can uh, relationships that are held over different religions, can they ever work? Can they last? This is in light of the, the Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes split that is supposedly, one of the main reasons is supposedly uh, the fact that Katie doesn't want their daughter to be brought up uh, in Scientology. Uh, 08459 455 555. You've got another 12 minutes or so to give us a call on this, uh, if you like. We've got Jamal on the line. Good morning, Jamal. Good morning. Uh, and whereabouts are you from? 
I am Moria from uh, Algeria, yeah. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to guess that you're Muslim. Yeah, I'm Muslim, yeah. And uh, have you married, or are you going out with someone from a different faith? I have married with, uh, I mean, my, with my wife. Uh, we're together for 15 years, and she is, when I met her, she was Catholic, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And is she, she's not Muslim? Uh, at the moment, I'm, I don't know. But uh, what happened, after two years of marriage, she did convert herself to Muslim, but I never asked her, because I married her like Christian, I accept her how she is, yeah? Right, so she was Christian, and was she a, a devout Christian? Was she going to church? No, she's not, uh, she's not a religion person, yeah? Right, she okay. She just converted herself, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know why she believes something. She converted herself, and uh, we moved to Czech Republic for one year. She had some pressure for her family, yeah? Yeah. Then she'd been out of it. I mean, she just stopped praying, she stopped doing anything. But she, for me, she still, I see her like a wife. I married her, how she, I mean, I accept how she is, in a way, yeah? So she, let me just get this right, uh, uh, Jamal. So she was a Christian. After two years of being married, she converted to Islam, and she's still a Muslim. Uh, I said, at the moment, I'm confused. I don't know what she is. Yeah. Oh, really? Because, yeah, because she stopped praying, something like that. Then okay. my, my, it doesn't bother me too much. What, uh, I have three kids. Before we had kids, I said to her, I would like have the kids to be Muslim. She accepts that. I mean, the kids, they are in a way. I mean, I take them to mosque. She doesn't say anything. They have Arabic names. I teach him Arabic. She doesn't mind at all that. Yeah, that's more important for me. I'm about her, I mean, I married her Christian. Yeah. I see her always how she is. That what is more important, yeah, for me. And is there, has there been a problem with her family when she converted or when she married you? Was there, was there any problem at all? Yes, actually, yeah. It's always been, for the last 15 years, always have a problem. They always think... Because, because, because you're Muslim? Muslim, yeah. They yeah. have some idea, like... Uh, um, she's scared for me, or she oh, is the okay. uh, try. I don't know. Uh, I'm forcing her, blah, blah, but really, life. She is clever girl. She have good job. I mean, uh, she have good education. Yeah, she know what uh, what she doing. And actually, she always in my side. She never agree with her family. Yeah, we try. She try to teach them something, but they won't. They have the idea about me. I try to be nice to them always. Yeah. Mm. But we always were having different. I can't drink when I go to par- I mean, when they're having, uh, like we say, parts. I can't drink, and they try to force me to drink. But I don't accept it. I won't do one drink. Yeah, but for them, that is too strictly for them. Yeah, if I don't drink, yeah. They don't. They try to force you to drink. Yeah, sometimes they bring it to me in my face, and uh, but I don't want that. Yeah, but all my kids because they don't eat pork. Oh, why these kids they don't eat pork? Why are they having Arabic names? Oh. He, he, I always keep telling them, like me and my wife, we agree certain things, and I'll, you can't change them after all these years, because if she change them, we, we will cause problem. Mm. So she, but, do, she doesn't see the family, does that, does that, uh, oh, she does see them occasionally? Now it is, well, she sees them like one time a year, some like that, yeah. yeah does, that, does, does that upset her at all? Does that upset the kids? Uh, the kids, um, what happened with the kids, I mean, one time my mother-in-law, she shouted to me next uh, to them, yeah, and they don't speak to, actually, she, they don't speak to her for one year now, a year and a half, they don't speak to her, yeah, because they're more dead girls, yeah, and I, I didn't want them to, I mean, they should not put kids in, like, uh, they should not put problem next to the kids, because they're only, only five and nine, yeah, mm. but... My family, I mean, I uh, back to my Algeria family. My family, they love my my wife and they respect her. She's nice to them. They're nice to her. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I grew up like 
I mean, the way how I grew up, like, I come, I mean, I mean, religion is nothing really. I mean, we married, I mean, we love, I mean, I've been preached, we love to marry who is believer or who is believed to the book of the God, yeah? Mm. And Christian is one of them. Now how I grew up, yeah? Because that... Yeah. Jamal, just uh, we're going to move on to running out of time. I want to speak to, to Mary, but uh, thank you so much for that. I mean, um, trying to get him to drink. I don't drink. If someone did that to me at a party. I'd tell him where to go. Sounds like a very patient um, man. And when the family, one set of parents, turn against you, that's got to be um, that's got to put a lot of pressure on the relationship, hasn't it? Got a few minutes left if you want to give us a call on this. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Mary is in Hemel. Good morning, Mary. Morning. Uh, your husband is Jewish. Yes. And, and may I ask, what are you? I was brought up to Church of England. And are you a practicing Church of England? No, uh, I, I went. I mean, I'm seventy-five now. Oh. And I was at an age where kids went to Sunday school, that sort of thing. They don't do it really anymore, do they? I, I went to Sunday school. Yeah. Until I realised what it was all about, and I went, "Hang on a second. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, that's how I was sort of brought up, really, yeah. believing in Jesus and the schools. You had assembly, and it was all the Christian prayers and everything. Uh, and then I met my husband, and. Uh, we were going out together for four year, five years before, and he had terrible trouble with his parents. They didn't want him... I can understand. Yeah. We're lovely people, as I got to know them. Uh, they didn't want us to be together because they felt it was wrong because the religion follows down through the mother. And they didn't want their son getting involved with somebody who wasn't. Anyway, we, we only missed seeing one another one day, and that was when it was his brother's wedding. I wasn't invited to their wedding. Mm. I, we used to have to meet, uh, meet like on a, at the end of a street if I happened to go his way. Cause we, neither of us had cars. had to depend on public transport. Then very yeah. few people did have cars. Um, they were quite orthodox, and he used to go home from seeing me and they used to know where he'd been and they used to be waiting for him and beat him up. They would beat him up? Yes, they used to beat him up. Oh. And he used to just have to stand there and take Oh, my. It. And then one day we got engaged and um, this was all without them knowing. We got engaged anyway. And they found out somehow, I don't know how, but because um, I couldn't, I, if I rang there, they put the phone down. And then they turned up on the doorstep of my parents' house, and we'd taken my mother out for a curry. I always remember this. Yeah. And they, we came back, and they were waiting outside the door. And there was a blazing row. It was my parents and his parents. We came inside, and they were few, absolutely seething over all this. And, my, and they asked my father, how did he feel? He said, look, my father was a very gentle man, and he said, well, look, if they love one another, he said, what's... What's the problem? There you go. You see. Well done, your dad. That's yeah. incredible. Mary, I'm going to move on because we're running out of time. But that was... They beat him up. I can't imagine having a relationship in secret and, and having to... You can't walk down the same street in case someone sees you and then they might tell the parents and then... Uh... I, I'm genuinely... This is opening my eyes. I'm so naive. I am so naive. Uh, we've got time, I think, for one more call. Let's go to Bina in Luton. Good morning, Bina. Good morning, Ian. Bina, what's your story? Uh, Just to say that I'm a Hindu. I've been married to an Englishman for 31 years. 
Uh, we've been together for 32 years and we're happy. Yes, of course, like any relationship, there are going to be compromises. Uh, um, but when we first met, uh, he knew that I was a practicing Hindu. Mm. I knew he was a Church of England, but he, he doesn't really go to church that This much. is what we've heard from all of the CV people that, that um, have called in, yeah. Yeah, uh, but he did not have any issues about me being a Hindu. And, you know, the, the, the way our relationship always has been is that, look, this is how, how it is. This is what I am. I accept you for what you are. You have to accept me for what I am. Um, you know, at the beginning, we didn't know whether we we're going to have children or not. We don't have any children, but it didn't seem to be a matter uh, of any issue, really. So you don't have any children. And did you discuss how you would have brought them up if you had yeah. had children? Yeah, um, we just said, look, you know, we will find out as and when they grow up, you know, um, we'll see, you know, what they want to follow. As it is, um, I just said to one of your researchers just now that my my sister is also married to an Englishman. Okay. They have a lovely 18-year-old uh, son. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, the whole thing was that really we'll leave it up to the son. But at the same time, both, you know, both the mother and the father, both my, my sister and brother-in-law and us, you know, we have values and we do believe in right things. Mm. And, you know, both kind, you know, both sides have those values. And as long as you bring up the children with those values about, you know, all the good things about, you know, what families are, you know, what love is, how you respect your elders, how you respect education and and so on and so forth. Once you've got that in place and discipline, um, the rest just follows. And uh, my, I can say that, you know, my nephew is a lovely, young, balanced, you know, uh, young man. And those values that you mentioned, they aren't, I mean, they're, they're part of religion, but they can be separate from religion as well, can't they? It, Being exactly, nice to well, people. I, I, Exactly. I, I'm not talking about religion. Yeah. It's just uh, being, as a human being, uh, you know, you have values. And as long as you make sure that those values are actually, you know, given to your children or, you know, you, you kind of make sure that they are brought up um, in the right way. And your family, we're running out of time, so I'm just rushing on slightly. Your family were all okay about you and your sister marrying an Englishman? Uh, I mean, it was a shock, to, the, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I'm going back a long, long time. Um, and <laughs> But, you know, having once known that, that's fine. You know, my mm. husband's been out to meet my maternal side of the family in India. Fantastic. So has my brother-in-law. You know, they, they all love him. So, yeah. oh, well, you, you know, go. my mother loved him more than she loved me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Bina, th- thank you very much for that. This is the trick, lads. If you're going to get married... The, the mother-in-law, you have to woo her more than you have to woo your potential wife. I, it, it, it's true. Absolutely true. My mother-in-law loves me. I can do no wrong in her eyes whatsoever. Uh, this is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan uh, Vernon-Smith, and I, th- I think I'm, I'm just about getting away with it. It's time now for The Travel with Justin Peterson. There you go, you see. You say, say you're getting away with it, and you pull the wrong fader down and show everybody that you're a complete idiot who has absolutely no idea what you're doing. Coming up in the next hour, is there something stopping you from getting a job? I'll be speaking to Simon from Milton Keynes, who's been unemployed for over a year. You can hear his story, and we'd like to hear yours as well after the latest news.
Good morning, Beds, Hearts and Bucks. This is uh, Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon Smith. Now, after 11, I'll be looking at your consumer problems and I'll be talking to Jim. Jim told us that he'd organised to have his bathroom window replaced. It was going to cost £585, which included a £100 cost for a surveyor to visit. About two weeks later, I received a phone call from the surveyor to arrange a visit. He has suggested Wednesday the 13th of June at uh, 3 o'clock, to which I agreed. It didn't arrive. It didn't arrive at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. So Jim went ahead and cancelled the window fitting and expected to get all of his deposit back due to lack of service. But the company won't refund him. Find out later what's going on with that. But in this hour of the programme... Is there something stopping you from getting a job? Unemployment in the UK now stands at 2.65 million, following a decrease of 35,000 in the three months to February. But despite the drop, no one is stupid enough to think that it's easy to get a job. And if you're having problems, you'll know how hard it is. I'm going to be speaking to Simon from Milton Keynes. Simon's been unemployed for over a year and at 43 is finding it very, very hard to get a job. And not just because there aren't that many out there. He says there are other things that stop potential employers from taking him on. Hear his story in this hour of the show and I'll be asking, is there something stopping you from getting a job? If there is, give me a call. 08459 455 555. As always with these kind of things... It's really interesting to hear your stories and your experiences and find out what's going on with you. 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Now it's Nick Kershaw. The JVS Show. Surprising stories that you won't hear anywhere else. The JVS Show. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Kershaw, I won't let the sun go down on me. This is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's only for a week, don't worry. And then next week, for I think four weeks, I'm covering The Breakfast Show, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to getting up at quarter past four in the morning, but I am looking forward very much to doing The Breakfast Show. I had my alarm set for five to six this morning. I thought I'd have a nice little bit of a, you know, a line. And then my boy woke up at half past four, so uh, he was very upset. Anyway, in this hour of the programme, have you been affected by delays in the diagnosis of dementia? A group of MPs has found what it calls shocking variations in waiting times for memory services to help diagnose dementia across the country. 800,000 people in the UK suffer from the condition, but 60% are never diagnosed. For those who are, the time taken for them to access specialist services can vary from a few weeks to more than a year. Have you been affected by delays in the diagnosis of dementia? That's coming up later, but first... Unemployment in the UK now stands at 2.65 million, following a decrease of 35,000 in the three months to February. We all know it's not easy to get a job, and if you're looking right now, you'll know how hard it is. Simon is from Milton Keynes. He's been unemployed for over a year, and at 43, is finding it very, very hard to get a job, and not just because, because there aren't that many out there. He says there are other things that stop potential employers from taking him on. Hear his story in this hour, and uh, I'll be asking, is there something stopping you from getting a job? If you want to take part... Would love to hear your stories and your experiences. 08459 455 555. Good morning, Simon. Good morning. How are you doing? You're right. Yeah, fine, thank you. So tell me about this. You you've you've not had a job for a year. You're forty three. When did you start working? Um when I was twelve years old. When you were twelve? Yeah. What were you I doing? Up chimneys or something? No, I worked on the first energy world in Milton Keynes. Did you really? At twelve? Well, there yeah. you go, okay. I had to lie and say I was thirteen. <gasps> 
Wow, and I started on my birthday doing 12-hour shifts what? for £9 a day. What, 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 hang on, I'm confused. Was this in the Victorian? I lied about my first job. I, I said I was 16 when I was, when I was 15 and, and, uh, and, and, and got a little job. But so you've been working since you were 12. And what yep. kind of things have you done? Um, my main work has been manual and construction. Um, but I've sort of basically done, if you name a job, I've done it. Yeah. Sort of in, in that era. Era. You're, you're, you're a can-do kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I need you to come around my house and sort some stuff out, because I can't do kind of guy. I can't do anything at all. So you cut, you've done building work, you've done manual labouring. You, I've worked in warehouses, I've uh, packed water, I've done any job, you name it, for, because I have a work ethic. Yeah. And uh, I was brought up that you had to work. And what was the last job you had? Um, the last job I had was working in a warehouse, um, picking for, uh, a major company. Okay, There's a, no names, no pack drills. Uh, and then you lost that job over a year ago. Why, why was that? Because it was only temporary. Right, okay. And how, you've been looking for a job constantly since then? Yes. How have you been looking for jobs? What have you been doing? Um, I've been on... Uh, job searches in the job centre, local papers. I've uh, cold called on companies. Um, I've been up, I'm at, at this present moment on a work programme through the job centre. Um, anything I can through friends, um, register with agencies. But the problem when you register with an agency, you go in, you drop your CV in. They advertise they're looking for people, but they're looking for people, but they're also looking for work. Yeah. They don't have to work. So you're saying that the, the job agencies, the recruitment agencies, don't have the jobs? No, because they're, they're out-tendering and hoping that a company's going to say, yeah, we've mm. got a big order come in, we need 50 people tomorrow. They can turn around and say, yeah, we've got 50 people on our books. So you're without a job, and uh, I'm assuming you're in Job Seekers Allowance. Yes. Is this the longest time you've gone without working? No. I've um, done a stint of nearly five years because I was raising uh, my young daughter on my own. Okay. And uh, so that, that, that's, I, I, some people would argue that that isn't a legitimate reason. I think it probably is a legitimate reason not um, to, to go back to work. You, raising kids is blooming hard work. Because of um, she was just starting secondary school and family issues, yep. it wasn't convenient to work. I couldn't work in the construction hours, the industry, for the hours I wanted. But so you're on job seekers allowance, uh, yeah. but you're not classed. Are you? You're not classed as unemployed because you're doing one of these schemes. Is that right? Um, yeah, I'm doing a work program, which, as we all know, is sort of government speak for we'll take you off the books. So, so I, I, well, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm so naive, Simon. I'm learning so many things doing this job. <laughs> so, <coughs> so th th you are unemployed, but you are not included in the official unemployment figures. No. Uh, th th how does that make you feel? I'm a bit annoyed, really, because yeah. I don't think the government's put much thought into it. It makes the figures look good, but the people that are still unemployed and having to go to a work programme and just sit, do a job search, and if you don't go, they sanction you and can stop your money. I, I think that a lot of people uh, would be like me and would be kind of shocked to realise that that's how the, uh, the unemployment figures are slightly massaged. Well, not massaged, it's a blooming lie, isn't it? Yeah, basically, but, I mean, there was a system many years ago in Ireland where they increased the benefit, but if you're unemployed, you had to work in the community for one day a week. 
Now, how you, you go on these work programmes, what, what do you do there? How does it work? Um, you go and you get interviewed by an advisor, and it's one-to-one. They look at what relevant skills you've got. They create a CV for you. Do you need, do you need well, sorry to interrupt, do you need a CV to go and lift boxes <laughs> around in a factory? Um, yes, unfortunately now, wow. because of, in the sort of modern technology age, they all want CVs emailed to them, or I think the day of application forms have gone. Um, but that's the way of the world. What else do you do in these work programmes, Simon? Um, I think the best thing that I was offered was, um, they would teach me about companies in Milton Keynes. Right. This company's only been in Milton Keynes a year. I've lived here for 33 years. Yeah. And I did find that a bit condescending and think, you know... <coughs> did they not, not give you anything? But the possibility could have told you something that maybe you didn't know. They, they have done... Um, I don't think so. Right, um, OK. Because, be, just because I think you can find out about companies in Milton Keynes because there's a decent <laughs> uh, business directory in the library and I'm sure it's available in the internet. And it, if you're looking for a job and you're going for an interview, surely you want to gen up on what the company does yeah. before you turn up. Yeah. So you would you would say, and tell me if I'm putting words into your mouth, you would say that, that, that these kind of workshops are perhaps a little bit patronising and they're, they're a little bit pointless? Um, yes, to a certain extent, but I will say in their defence, the, in the month I've been on this present one, they have got me something that I've been asking the job centre for for over 18 months, which is a card I need to actually work on a site. It costs £53 to get this card. You take a test and you pass it, you get the card, you can work on any site. And oh. because I'm on Job Seekers Allowance, yeah. £53 out of my fortnightly money is a very large chunk. Yeah. I couldn't afford it. And they've t- done this for me within a week. I take the test tomorrow. Can I ask you, I, I'm going to ask you a question, Simon, and if it's too personal, you can tell me to get knotted. It's a long time since I've signed on. How much are you living on a week? Um, I live on a hundred, no, well, £65, no, sixty. No, £55.50 a week, because I have to pay back where I've had to get loans, which happens to a lot of people that are unemployed. Because of the delay of getting money come through, you have to go and get a crisis loan, which you have to pay back, and they stop out of your, stop out of your benefits. So I live over, on just over £55 a week. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could survive on £55 a week these days. Simon, listen, stay there. We're going to find out more um, about you. If you're listening to this and th- this has kind of affected you in any way, 08459 455 555. We will be asking, uh, is there something stopping you from getting a job? And we're going to find out more about Simon's story after this. This is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith, 08459 455 555. We're asking, is there something stopping you uh, getting uh, a job? We're talking to Simon from Milton Keynes, who's 43. He's been working since he was 12. I still can't quite get my head around that. Uh, and he's been unemployed for a year. Now, Simon, there is something that we haven't quite mentioned yet. Yes. Why do you think... What, what do you think is stopping you from getting a job? Well, I, I have a prison record. I've been to prison twice. I've made two mistakes in my life. And um, I've paid for them by going to jail. I served a six-month sentence and an 18-month sentence. One was seven years ago. One was 20 years ago. So, so a long time ago. Can I ask what they were? Um, the first one was for fraud when I was 21. Yeah. The second one was for a violent incident. Okay, a violent incident. You don't want to go into any more detail? No. Okay, that's fair enough. And you, do you think that your criminal record, and it, they were a long time ago, you think that that's possibly holding you back? 
Yes, because they um, they don't become spent for ten years. So when you fill out a CV, an application form, and they ask if you have any criminal convictions, you have to declare them. I was actually turned down a college course for the card because I have violence on my record, and I declared it, and I was made to feel very silly mm. because it was a three-day course, and you filled out a form, and I obviously declared my criminal record. Yeah. And there was a group of class of us, and we'd all done the same, and we were just finding out what the course was about, and they called me out of the class and said, you'll have to leave, Simon, because we're going to have to have a meeting and see whether, because of your violent history, one violent incident... Mm. You can't stay on the course. Mm. I never heard from them again. And I felt about an inch tall. Oh, yeah, that would be humiliating, wouldn't it? Uh, of course. Now, there, Simon, there would be some people listening to this who would suggest that an 18-month prison sentence for a violent act, that would imply it was something pretty serious. And why should you be given opportunities? Because I think that I'm... I, I, I believe and I understood that once you've... Um, served your sentence you've sort of done your time i mean the thing is prison people say is easy i think prison is easy to a certain extent but it depends on your mindset i didn't just sit in a cell and watch tv all day i made shoes um i studied shakespeare and you know i've done everything i could to fill my time and make myself a better person whether that makes me the exception i don't know what shoes did you make so i didn't know they made shoes in prison yeah, prison shoes. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> no, well, well, well done, you. Uh, uh, but uh, but uh, <coughs> was uh, again, you know, I'm going to tread carefully around this. Your your violence was it involved? Was it at the workplace at all? No. Okay. It was it was a family incident. Okay. It, it involved um, alcohol, yep. and it wasn't against a partner, but it was a mistake I made. Yeah. And yeah. I sort of had to live with it, deal with it. I had my liberty taken away, as I should have. Yeah. I didn't see my children, and you know it was very difficult. So you you feel that you've you, you've it was it was a long time ago, which it was twenty years and seven years ago. It is a long time ago. You've had you've had yeah. no nothing since. Nope. Uh, and you went to prison and you paid the penalty. Mm-hmm. You think that you should now be given the opportunity to? to, to well, you, you have worked since you came out of prison, haven't you? Yes, but I mean it's because I think also because the workplace is tighter and there are more choices. Yeah. All I want is the opportunity. I mean, I, I can remember back in the construction industry, you'd go for a job on a site, and they'd say, what can you do? And you'd say, I can lay slabs, I can lay pipes. And they'd say, and I, I used to say, I'll give you a day. I'd go on site, work for a day. If I wasn't any good, they didn't take me on. Yeah. And if I was, I took me on, I got paid for the day. And... That's the way I think it should be. Let me go in and prove myself. But when you're up against a number of different potential employees, you think you're not being considered because of your criminal record? Yes. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. If you've been in a similar situation, or maybe you think that there is something else, uh, dear listener, stopping you uh, from getting work and holding uh, uh, you back. Uh, so, you. <laughs> How has this only kind of risen in the last year, though, Simon? Is it, is it just because th- th- there are less jobs and so you're getting kind of phased out because of your past? I, I think because there's less less opportunities yeah. and despite the government figures, there are more people sort of looking for work. Yeah. And it's just become very, very difficult. And you don't get, I think, from the job centre and that, the right information either. 
I mean, I, I, I was on a course and they said about a CV and I mentioned it. And they sort of said, oh, don't worry about it, we'll pad it. You know, so basically they'll lie about it. Because if you, if, you, if you don't declare it, you can get the sack. It's, it's gross misconduct. Yeah, of course. It does sound... It, it, it sounds like a mess, and it, I, I, I'm wondering kind of what way there is out of it. If anyone's got any advice uh, for Simon on, on how you can get around... Not, not get around, I don't mean, you know, do anything dodgy like that, but if, if, if employees, that, employers that are perhaps sympathetic to this situation, 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Simon, you are right to stick around for a little bit? Yes, no We problem. will talk to you more after this. Oh, this is good. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. Uh, if you want to give us a call, look forward to hearing from you. 08459 455 555. We'll be hearing more from Simon after this. I love that song. I love the dirty fuzz guitar in it. You don't get fuzz guitar. What's, what's the Beatles song where they play fuzz guitar? I can't remember. It's on Rubber Soul. Oh, someone text in and tell me, will you please? 81333. Start your text 3CR. The Beatles song where they play fuzz guitar. It's on Rubber Soul. You know the one. This is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon Smith, who's off on his holidays. And it's de- yesterday I wasn't so jealous because it was a nice day, but today driving in, man alive. I don't know what it's like out there now. I'm guessing grim. Yeah? Okay, fine. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, we're asking, is there something stopping you from getting a job? We're talking to Simon and Milton Keynes, who is 43, 43, excuse me, my slough accent came out there, uh, and hasn't had a job uh, for uh, a year. And Simon, you, you think one of the reasons you're not getting jobs is because of your criminal record. We've had a text from Chris um, that says you should go to college to learn a trade and go self-employed. That way you're, you're criminal record wouldn't wouldn't be relevant um yes uh, lovely idea but um going to college learning a trade sort of 43 um is a bit difficult you'd have to would you have, you'd have to sign off wouldn't you if you went to college uh yes probably okay i don't know if there is some kind of grant scheme or something like that, but yeah you're never too old to learn something simon 43 no. you're, you're 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 still young <laughs> yeah thank you very much for that I'm sure I feel like it's in the morning when I get up. <laughs> I'm only saying that because I turn I turn forty very soon, and I'm trying to just get, get my my head in my Simon. Stay on the line. We will talk to you soon. We're also going to talk to Eileen Scott, who is a career coach in Mid Bedfordshire. I'd like to talk to you as well. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Time now though to get the latest travel. Thank you very much for that, Justin. This is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon Smith. It's lovely to have you listening to me. If you want to give me a call, it's oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're asking: Is there something stopping? you from getting a job. We'll hear more from Simon and Milton Keynes and also Eileen Scott, who is a career coach in Mid-Bedfordshire after the latest news. On FM, AM and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, this is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon Smith. Don't forget after 11, it's the Consumer Hour and uh, I made my first ever consumer phone calls yesterday normally i didn't realize i'd have to do this when i when i took this gig i didn't realize i would have to phone up the companies and chase things up i kind of thought you know the backroom team would do it but no i i had to do it and this is the sort of stuff at home i wouldn't go anywhere near my wife would do it because i get anxious and all and i did it and i made some phone calls and we've got some updates later on (laughs) i'm very excited and uh hopefully you'll be listening after that but at the moment we're asking is there something stopping you from getting a job oh eight four five nine four double five five double five simon and milton Keynes is here hello simon morning so just a quick recap you're 43 years old you haven't had a job for a year uh you've been working constantly since you were 12 uh, and you think the part of the problem is uh your criminal record 
Yes, that's a, that, that's, a, that's a fair summary of the situation. Have you ever been tempted to, to lie and, and d- not mention it and see if you got away with it? Many a time. Ever done it? Yep. You have done it? Yep. And you got, you got work through doing that. Uh, did that. And did anyone ever find out or anything? Nope. I'm not condoning this at all, because obviously it's wrong and it, 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 that's naughty, but I can see how you would be tempted, it, you know, and from talking to you, it sounds like you have... Uh, you know the the right work attitude and you want to work and you don't want to sign on and you want to go out and do stuff and take pride in what you do and um i can see how you could be persuaded or tempted that that's possibly the only option to go down that must make you feel kind of sad though simon to having to lie to get a job um yes and no because once i get my foot in the door um i think I, i'm able to prove myself yeah and make myself sort of a valuable member of the company or whatever. So, if that's what it takes, that's what I'll continue to do. Have you ever d- done that and then sort of three months into it gone, by the way, guys, there's something you should know, I've got a criminal record, or have you just kept quiet for the whole time? Um, I've sort of kept quiet uh, okay. for the whole time on a, on a construction site. Yeah. There's quite a few people with criminal records. I, I can imagine I haven't, them. I haven't gone for jobs where um, my criminal record would affect anything i do mm. not condo- like- i have to say just for t- to cover my my backside time i'm not condoning it and i would never recommend no. anyone do that but I'm, I'm asking the questions and you've been very honest and i completely appreciate that we've got eileen scott on the line from mid bedfordshire eileen is a career coach hello eileen hello there ian uh have you heard did you hear any yes. of simon's story yes i've been listening to it yes. what do you think um i really feel for simon you know he's he's having a a really tough time and he's looking for a breakthrough um but he's obviously not getting um, he's got the right attitude hasn't he i think so i mean he sounds as he's already said good work ethic he sounds like he believes in himself and when i'm coaching people that's often one of the difficulties they've got um you know no self-belief because they just had so much discouragement mm. and it leads to despondency depression but for I me mean, i don't know if he's putting it on but he sounds as though he's, he's pretty up you know Kylie, um, can, I, can i just get back to basic for a second can you tell me what is a career coach exactly what yeah. do you do well i've been a career advisor all my life in bedfordshire um and then took early retirement last year and trained as a life coach so oh. i combine the two really it's not much different from being a careers advisor, which I've always done, but you're helping the client to really set their own goals, helping them to design a plan to meet those goals. Um, so the onus is very much on the client, what they want to do and how they feel they can achieve those goals. Now, I would, obviously, as a trained careers advisor, I would give them information, advice that I have, um, if they needed that sort of help. I think the other thing I do is help them look at the rest of their life. I'm seeing some at the moment who, again, long-term unemployed, and the rest of their life was a mess. So so they decided they'd go out jogging, they'd look at their diet, you know, they'd look at mm. other things that help them make them feel better about themselves. And I think that's quite important as well. But is, is, is jogging... Is, uh, can I ask, is your radio on at all? No, I'm, I'm on a computer. Oh, that's all right, this is like echo, don't worry. Is jogging and changing your diet going to really help you get a job i think it helps your motivation it helps you feel better about yourself it gives you that sort of energy to face another day which you know if you've got nothing much else going on it just gives you that um that lift certainly a a sort of physical lift and it can be an emotional lift as well it is and it is depressing and uh, uh 
it affects your self-worth not having a job. I had a very Absolutely. quiet very quiet six months, the end of last year, beginning of this year, very quiet. And you start, mm. even though there's no reason to, by the very nature of my business, there are quiet periods. Mm. But you start to think, well, maybe that was it. Maybe I'm never going to get another job. I'm, I'm terrible. No one's going to give me a job again. Uh, and so you can, you can help people yeah. kind of get out of that funk. Yes, definitely. And I think it's... it's Developing these small action steps, you know, like I know Simon has done this, he's enhanced his CV. Mm. Um, he may not, I'm sure people have suggested to him maybe getting out there and just doing something like a bit of voluntary work, um, just to know that there's people worse off, that he can feel better about himself. Because getting jobs is usually through people you know, and it's about getting out there. Mm. I'm glad he's got the, the card to go on site because there's so much going on. I mean, I live near where the centre parks is going on where the motorways, you know, under construction seems like forever. I mean, there's lots of building work, construction work going on. Could he just go, I'm sure he does this anyway, but just go and talk to people, ask if there's any jobs? Have you been doing that, Simon? Um, I haven't got the card yet. Okay. I take, I, I take a test tomorrow. Oh, right. And, and hopefully and by 11.30 in the morning I'll have it. I really, you, get, you get it straight away. What is, what is the test? It's a basic health and safety test. Right. So you just l- you need to show that you know what to do if there's a, an incident or an accident or something on site. Yeah. And yeah. then when you've got the card, you can... This is a world I know nothing about. You can then go up to building sites, show the card and say, you got any work? Yep. Uh, and, and you'll do that. I mean, you'll, you'll go around sort of from site to site, will you? Knocking on the door and, and seeing if they've got anything going. I would like to think that by Friday, I will be working with my experience on a site. If you are working by Friday, could you give us a call? Yeah, so that w- w- what a success story that would be if if, uh, if I helped you get a job. No, if uh, <laughs> yeah, <that'd laughs> <be> brilliant. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I back away from that statement. But if if, the, if if by the end of the week, if speaking to you on Tuesday, and then by the end of the week you manage to get yourself a job, that would be would be wonderful. Eileen, have you got? I mean, obviously, getting the card is the most important thing for him. Any other advice you could give Simon? I think uh, just using all the um, help that is available. I mean, because if you could say, "Well, get your CV, get your get your communication skills sorted, so you're good at interviews," but there are you know people out there, services to help you with those things. Don't be isolated. Um, stay connected, really. And he sounds like an intelligent. Look, we're talking yeah. about you as though you're not here. He sounds like an intelligent bloke. He can yeah. he can speak. He can string a sentence together. He's obviously keen. Is the criminal uh, the criminal record his criminal past? Is that going to stop him getting work? I'm going to say if he believes it won't, it won't. He's got to change his mindset. Um, I just believe because hearing him, I believe if Simon does get in front of people, mm. he is very personable, and he's he's got a lot of skills. He's got a lot of work, good work experience behind him, um, and what he shared about his criminal record, it wasn't work related. Mm. He doesn't sound a dishonest person, does he? Um, so, you know, let him get in front of people and believe that it is not going to affect him. Eileen, do they still have careers advisors at schools? <laughs> yes. It's been a long yeah. time since I was at well, school. Well, yes, actually, I've worked in the university right. for 20 years, but um, it's just changed. It's a national career service, right. and, but what's the onus now is on the schools to get people in. Rather, when I started, um, I'm a lot older than you two, um, it, uh, you know, it was a local authority that put careers advisors in school now the school has to bring in the career service it, it's government say schools have got the funding um but that means it's it's 
it's not the same in every school. Eileen, it's lovely to talk to you. There's Eileen Scott, who's a career coach in Mid uh, Bedfordshire. I remember we had a careers advisor at school, and they got, got a new fancy computer system, and you had to kind of go in and you type in all of your interests on a BBC Micro. You'd go in and you type in sort of your interests, what you were studying, uh, what what you wanted to be when you left school, and it gave it came out with the perfect job for you. My perfect job would have been a prison guard. This is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon Smith. We'll be back with Simon from Milton Keynes and also your stories. Is there something stopping you from getting a job? Give me a call, 08459 455 555. Speak to you after this. Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes. Don't leave me this way. It's Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon Smith. It's only a week. He'll be back next Monday and then I fill in breakfast for a few weeks, which is, uh, I'm thoroughly excited about. My first show on Monday next week, uh, we're going to be out and about with the uh, Olympic torch, seeing the Olympic torch being carried, which I'm genuinely getting quite excited about. I said yesterday, a few weeks ago, the Olympics, ah, yeah, whatever. But as it's getting closer... I'm kind of getting sucked into all of this. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for all of the, you know, the, the bringing everyone together and waving flags in streets and things like that. I love all of that. After uh, 11, we'll be doing your consumer updates. But before that, I'm asking, is there something stopping you from getting a job? Now, we're talking to Simon, who um, he, he, one of the reasons he thinks he's not had a job recently is because of his criminal record. But it may be something else that's stopping you from getting a job. Anna's called in. Hello, Anne. Hello, hi. Uh, now, it's not you that's not, not able to get a job, it's your son. Yeah. What's the situation? Um, well, he's, um, he got epilepsy when he was 15. Yeah. Um, and when he finished school, he went on to do barbering at college. Uh, then the year after that, his epilepsy got really, really bad. Um, so he had a year of not being able to do anything because his seizures, he was having seizures all the time. Right. Um, they can't get his seizures under control. So even now, he just has, like, seizures but they've settled a little bit but they're still bad and are they still they're, still, they're quite violent physically are they yeah, yeah. and it, it drains him takes a lot out of him and after that he, he gets a little bit of memory loss but he's very he's very very mildly autistic as well but he's really really into computers and it was i steered him to barber and steer him away from computers because of his epilepsy mm. but he's really into doing computers a little computer geek but he's ha- he's had like a year of not being able to do anything and like now he really wants to do something and there's so many like i could have got a job 10 times over for myself but as soon as i say it's for my son and as soon as i say he's got epilepsy they just a lot of people really don't want to know how old is your son he's 18 18 years old and he's, he's keen to work he wants to work he, he wants to get a job he really does but the thing is like a lot of his jobs are limited he did like apply for one job and they like tried him and then they checked with their insurance and said we can't take you because it was a physical job and it was working with machinery and he was like really upset over it yeah um so yeah he's he's, he's limited as it is um and, and, and that makes sense doesn't it that, that, that he's limited in his options because of, obviously in some places it would be dangerous yeah to have exactly. somebody who could possibly yeah. have a fit yeah exactly but it's a lot of people don't really want to take someone with the epilepsy if it's not under control because then they're gonna have time off or you know it's like it, it is really hard and he won't he doesn't get help with his disability as much as um and if he had a social worker yeah. they would find they've got actual businesses that take on people with disabilities but because he hasn't got a social worker which it, they were trying to get him for two years the um hospital and the nurses um he, he doesn't get the extra help why doesn't he have a social worker pardon why doesn't he have a social worker um, they, they they all put in for him to have a social worker. Um, I think it's through CAD, and um, the social services never got back to us. Never, 
Could you? I, I'm, I'm trying to look at this from from the other side. So so bear with me, and please don't take offence at this. Oh, I'm yeah. an employer, right? And I've got a job. I've got one job going. Your yeah. son comes in, who's got mm-hmm. epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Someone else comes in, who's mm-hmm. maybe not quite as qualified, but doesn't have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. I, exactly. Who are you going to pick? Well, <laughs> the, 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 can, can you see their point of view? I'm not saying I, it's I right do. at all, I, and I it I is do. discrimination. I, I totally understand employees doing that, yeah. but it's just the way they say, people say nowadays, you know, there's so many companies that take on people with disabilities, and what I'm saying is they don't. And, mm. you know, and I can understand that my son's even willing to work for less. He, he just wants someone to, you know, he just wants a job. He's mainly doing, like, computer stuff and things like that, or websites and things like that. He, he, he can work really well doing that. Mm. He's got mild, mild autistic traits, which are to do with communication. He won't sit and talk to people. He'll just get on with his work. That's me, though. I don't, I don't like sitting and talking to people. When I come in here, I just burrow myself away in, a, in front of a computer. I don't want to talk to people. Yeah, that's what he's like, and he'll just get on with his work, and he's, just, that's he's a, so that's good a, on the computer. That's a bad that's thing, cool. is it? Oh, my God. And listen, I wish you, you and your son the best of luck. Uh, I mean, he's, he's he's eighteen and he's young, and and he's got that against him because a lot of young people are struggling to get jobs and the thing, anyway. He's got nothing to do. He can easily go down the wrong road now because he's been, you know. Well, you're you're a good mum. You'll you'll keep an eye on him. And thank you very much for that. <laughs> Best of luck. There we go, uh, uh, Simon. Uh, we've got a couple of texts in. Um, hi, Ian. Under the Rehabilitation of Offenders Act, convictions become spent and only have to be declared for certain jobs. Tony from Slough. Does that make sense? Um. Yes. But they, you're saying they become spent after ten years? Yes. Yeah, that's my um, knowledge from uh, the police and sort of the job centres. Okay. It might be worth having a look into that and seeing if that's... That might have changed, because these things sometimes change. Uh, maybe have a little, little Google this afternoon and see if, see if you can find anything about that. Yeah. Uh, we've got another text here from uh, Ben. What's stopping me getting a job is I get enough money. I get my rent and council tax paid and some to live on. I see where we're going. For my beer and fags. Why on earth would I want to work? I have been unemployed for four years. I think that's the, the Ben is, uh, is being slightly facetious uh, there. Let's go to um, Steve in Letchworth. Good morning, Steve. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm OK, Steve. What's your situation? Well, just quickly, that, that, last, te- that last text you read out... Yeah. Um, I could quite easily do that myself, but unfortunately I've got a bit of a work ethic that I, that, that I, I would actually be £10 worse off a week not working, but I, I go to work because I've got a work ethic, so we'll get off that subject. That no, no, very, very quickly, I, I, I did have a, another life, I had a, a, an argument with a lady um, who, who called into a show I did once, um, saying that everybody who signed on was a sponger and was lazy. I signed on for ages, years ago, right? Yeah. And I wanted to work. At the start, uh, for, I'll be honest, for the first couple of weeks, like, yeah, this is wicked, I'm getting paid money to do nothing. And then I realised, I'm not getting paid much money. I'm really, really bored, I'm really unsatisfied spiritually and in every sense, and I want a job. And I think it is quite unfair. Of course there are people sponging off the system and, and, and playing the game a bit, but I, I, I think that most people who are unemployed want, want to work, don't they? I think they do. Well, I don't know. I, just, just that last comment from that last text you got, then obviously not. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got children I bring up, I, I get working tax, and, and I go to work because my money's not that great, but yeah. I've got a work ethic. But go on, so what, what, what are you called in about? Right, getting back to that gentleman, I mean, you know, I, I have a, I, I'm overweight, I'm, um, basically, I've, I've got, I was diagnosed with being dyslexic, and I've basically never been unemployed since I've left work. Right. 
I've left school, sorry. Um, but I can see where he's coming from. I mean, my brother was a bit of a rogue when he was younger. My brother was in and out of uh, youth, youth offenders. And my brother actually done time in prison. Um, and then he decided to turn his life around. Um, and it actually took actually one person to actually believe that he could actually do something in his life that was an employer. Yeah. And my brother passed his HGV test, we're talking probably 20 years ago. Um, and he's got a mortgage, he's, got, he's still driving, you know, and, but that particular time, he just needed someone to believe that he would, he's a changed person. And luckily, he found, he struck lucky with an employer that, that believed him. I mean, my, my brother, you know, we don't go into too much detail, but it was theft and yeah. motorbikes and that, but, he was a he naughty boy. Things. Yeah, very naughty boy. But he turned his life around and somebody believed that he, he was a changed person and given the chance. And I think everybody, you know, that's done something, yeah, we've all done something. I, I'm, I'm quite lucky I've never done anything stupid apart from speeding, but I think people should be given the chance, you know, to do something. It's, you know, Simon, would you, would you agree with that? Did you, did you come across anybody who said, look, I can see you've got a criminal record, but you know what, you look like a decent bloke, I'm going to give you a chance. Did you, you must have met people like that. Um, yeah, I have. Um, mainly sort of small builders, but um, sort of time's gone on and they've become of an age and they've retired. So you have to go into the major construction industry. doesn't happen so much in warehouse because you do end up, as you asked me earlier, have you ever lied? You do end up having to lie. Yeah, and yeah. because there are so many people going for that job. And But as the gentleman just said, you just need that chance. You need to get your foot in the door and be able to prove what you can do. It's funny, because as soon as people hear the word prison, they're like, ho, ho, no, thank-. And listen, I've got some friends who have been to prison for all kinds of things, done all kinds of naughty things. But pe- I genuinely believe that people can change, that, that people can move on. And, you, you know, I've, I've done things in the past, I've not been to prison, but I've done things, and I've changed. You know, we can all do that, can't we? Yeah, but, I mean, prison is like most things. You sort of can get something out of it, or you can just sit there and watch TV all day. Yeah. It, it's, it's down to the individual. So um, we've got um, Gary and Bletchley's got a suggestion for you. Hello, Gary. Hi there. What's your suggestion? Um, I was listening a little bit on whether the, um, the lady phoned in her son with epilepsy. Yeah. Um, there is an, a national organisation. It's called the Shaw Trust, S-H-A-W. Oh, right, yes. Um, and one of the things they do is help people with varying special needs with um, getting into work. And sometimes this is, uh, can be a, a sort of a work trial. So you might go there and get taken on and you're there uh, under a training scheme for just a few weeks. Uh, and at the end of that period, um, you know, hopefully you get offered a place. But it gives you a chance to prove your worth. And I think that's, that's the most, most important bit. Is it true? I've, I've heard of the Shaw Trust. Do, do they help people with convictions as well, don't they? I, I think they do. I don't know too much about them. I'm, I'm blind myself. And right. I, I sort of went the route of uh, self-employment in the end. Once my eyes got too worse that I couldn't really seriously continue with uh, you know, employment in the work that I was doing. So yeah. I just went self-employed, and I've been doing that for nine years. What do you do, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I do audio transfer work, so things like the old, the old analogue media, so vinyl records, the open reel tapes, cassette tapes, uh, anything that's not available digitally, um, I record and put it onto CD for customers. Ooh, now you're talking. Now um, you're t- I'm, a, I'm a vinyl geek. <laughs> a lot of people are, but of course they don't have turntables and stuff these days. So. I, I showed, going off on a slight tangent, if you'll bear with me, I showed a group of five-year-olds an old dance set record player the other day, and they're like, what is that? And I said, <laughs> you wait. And I put on a record, and they were blown away. They thought it was the most fun. Uh, Gary, listen, thank you very much for that. Simon, there's, there's, there's a possibility. The Shaw, uh, I don't know if you've been in touch with the Shaw Trust, but the, they might help people with previous convictions. He was referring to, to Anne and her son, but they might be uh, a group that can help. Simon, listen, I would really appreciate it. Best, best of luck tomorrow getting your card.
Thank you. Uh, I, I would really appreciate it if uh, you let us know if you got it, and let us know if you get a job by the end of the week, because I know a lot of people will be interested to hear how you get on. Yep, I will. Thank you, Simon. Best of luck. Thank you very much for that. That's Simon, um, who's hopefully, hopefully, he thinks he can get a job by the end of the week if he gets this card, which would uh, would be great news. Emily San, my kind of love. Coming up in the next hour, it's the consumer hour. I'm really looking forward to this. Now, Frank went on a nine-day cruise in April. He told Jonathan that when he and his wife arrived at the airport, their taxis didn't turn up, and that when they left, the taxis, again, weren't booked. Not only this, but when they got on the boat, a man came into their room in the middle of the night... I've since got a letter from him apologising and saying we'll give you £62 for all the inconveniences on board spend. And I wrote back and said, well, I don't intend to take another cruise. Well, this offer isn't really of much use to Frank, so can he have the cash as an alternative? We'll find out after this. Time for the travel. Don't forget, if you've got a consumer issue, you can give us a call and we'll do our best to sort it out. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Speak to you after this. It's the JVS Show. This is Ian Lee, filling in for Jonathan, who's away on a holiday. And between now and 12, I'll be looking at your consumer problems. And if you've got an issue that you'd like us to uh, have a look at, get in touch with the team. 08459 455 555. Today, there's going to be an update for Jim. Jim told us that he'd organised to have his bathroom window replaced. It was going to cost £585, which included a £100 cost for a surveyor to visit. About two weeks later, I received a phone call from the surveyor to arrange a visit. He has suggested Wednesday the 13th of June at uh, 3 o'clock, to which I agreed. It didn't arrive. It didn't arrive at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. So Jim went ahead and cancelled the window fitting and expected to get all of his deposit back due to lack of service. But the company won't refund him. You'll find out what's happening there. Also, I'm going to be talking to Peter. Peter told us that he applied for 20 tickets for the Paralympics. He ordered them in September last year and paid £766. I received confirmation on the 8th of November that my application was successful and that I would receive the tickets in, in a very broad statement in summer 2012. So as time is knocking on, I'm getting very concerned. Peter says he's tried phoning the number on the website, but he can't get through. Is he going to get his tickets or is he going to be disappointed? Find out by listening to the show. Don't forget, do give us a call if you've got a consumer problem. 08459 455 555. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights and tackling your consumer problems. The JVS Show. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is one of the best songs ever written, isn't it? I think we'd all agree with that, wouldn't we? The Lars, there she goes. That'll do. It's a good song, but it's about something very, very naughty. Uh, we've got a traffic update from David. Hello, David. Good morning. Whereabouts are you? What's the problem? Um, I'm on the um, A421 between Milton Keynes and uh, Bedford. Um, and I've pulled onto the uh, dual carriageway, which is adjacent to Junction 13, travelling north. Yes. Um, about an hour and 15 minutes ago. Oh. Um, and uh, we've been stationary ever since. Actually, I haven't moved an inch, and um, there's no sign of any um, um, emergency vehicles going um, either way. But um, actually, as we talk, the traffic in front of me appears to be just uh, setting off. So whatever it was, um, 
it, um, it may be cleared, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I did have a chat with a few of the other guys and ladies that have been sort of stationary with me, and um, nobody seems to have um, been able to find out what it is. Did so. anyone get out of the car? I like those moments when people are in traffic and people start to get out of the car. Yeah, they've, um, they've, there's loads of guys been sort of jumping out and jumping on their mobiles and, um, I guess, reporting and trying to find out what's going on. But, um, but it looks like you're about to start moving. Yes, um, we're, we're, uh, we're dribbling, so, um, yes, we, we, it, whatever it was may be clear. OK, well, people, maybe give, give that a little bit of a wide berth. David, thank you very much for the update. That's our first problem solved. We did that. Uh, we did. This is the Consumer Hour on uh, uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Uh, you call in with your consumer problems, and we do our best to sort them out. I'm always amazed. Jonathan has a, a, an excellent hit rate. Doesn't always get them. He has an excellent, excellent hit rate. Uh, let's go to um, Andy. Good morning, Andy. Hello. Hello, Andy. What's uh, what, what can we do for you? Um, basically, my car. My <clears throat> my wife was looking for a new car, so we went looking. Yeah. Found one, and we plan on picking it up this Thursday. But payment. I don't know how to pay. Do I pay by credit card or do I pay by debit card? Those are your, your, your two options, are they? By cash. Okay, well, let's. Let, I pay by cash. You want it, so those are the three options: the credit card, the de- debit card, or the cash. I, th- I know which one I would suggest, but as I'm only here for a week, I don't want to get into trouble. So I'm going to hand over to Ben, who is an expert on nearly nothing, but he <laughs> might he might know the answer to this. Ben, well, I've I've been here for a, for a little while, and uh, <laughs> anyone who's who's listened to Jonathan will know yeah. that, um, that Jonathan always says um, go with the, the credit, credit card. card. Because the credit card offers you extra protection. Just in case, we mentioned this a few times on the programme, it's that Section 75 of the Consumer Credit Act. What it does is it means that the, um, there's this word, equal liability on the creditor. It means basically the company you're buying, um, if the company you're buying something from, if they go bust, if they disappear, if the goods turn out to be faulty, um, then, and, and you can't get anything from them, then your credit card company will act on your behalf. So, essentially, it gives you that little bit of extra protection. I know. The problem I've got is my wife, uh, I had her on the phone literally an hour ago. Mm. She's, she doesn't see the point. Sorry? I, I said credit card to her. Yeah. And she said she doesn't see the point in paying a credit card because we're just paying for an extra... Well, can't you, can't you, you put... pay an extra amount. Well, yes. You have to pay a fee. And she's like, well, you're going to end up paying a couple of hundred pounds on top. There's a credit card fee, is there? Very often. there's a 1% fee. um, Because the car is, the the balance at the moment is 5,100 to pay. Well, very often um, th- there are credit card fees that come in, in th- that come with this. Uh, Jonathan uh, again often advises that that fee, on the whole, is 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 worth it for that extra protection. However, this is just advice. If you if you prefer that you don't want that extra protection, that's fine. That's why people spend on debit cards. That's why people spend with cash. However, the advice is that if you want that extra extra protection, then the credit card offers you that, and that's why Jonathan will often. Uh, advice to, to spend with a credit card because that offers you kind of uh, offers you protection up to thirty thousand pounds. Right, yeah, because I, the vehicle is coming. The vehicle. Is don't give us any names of any companies or anything. No, I don't even know the name of the company. <laughs> well, then that that helps. Good. Um, basically, it's coming from a trader. Yeah. Mm. So because it's coming from a trader, um, it comes with a three-month warranty. Right. So. That's another reason why my wife sort of automatically thinks 
it doesn't need because she said after the three months you're not going to be covered for anything if you do pay on credit mm. card are you i said don't know well, that's why i rung you uh, ultimately um, Andy, um, how how far am i co- how long am i covered for well, on a credit card if it's paid on credit okay card. let's let's ask ben ben your turn Okay. Um, the, the truthful answer is I, I don't know that actually. Uh, I think I have a feeling it's about around about six years. But again, that, that is a complete. I, th- I think the, the major protection you would get from this is if something went wrong with the company, if the company went bust, or the, the the payment went through, but you didn't get the car or something like that. And I think that's that's the initial most obvious protection that you're going to get from a credit card. I'm going to get the card because I'm going down. Okay, well, Andy, listen, we've we've given you the best advice we can. Um, The the decision is yours. It's that thing of, do you want to spend the extra couple of hundred quid or do you want to get the protection? And, you know, you hear hear so many stories of things going wrong, don't you, that, that, that it's quite often would be worth getting the extra protection but it's up to you you know it's 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 a lot of money i don't i don't have a credit card i know i know incredible isn't it uh now peter came to us with his consumer problem i applied for 20 tickets for paralympics in september last year i received confirmation on the 8th of november that my application was successful and that i would receive the tickets in in a very broad statement in summer 2012 so as time is knocking on, I'm getting very concerned. How much had you spent on these tickets? £766. Peter says he's tried phoning the number on the website but can't get through. Peter's on the line now. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Ian. I, I've been listening to this story over the last couple of weeks and uh, I, I was surprised by the vague, yeah, summer 2012, you'll get your tickets then and uh, it's all a little bit a little bit vague. But Ben has been dealing with, with this story. I have, yeah. Do we know what the latest is? Who's going to give me the answer? Is this Peter? Peter, do you know what's, ha- what's been happening, what the outcome is? Well, the, the last we heard from Peter was that um, you'd received that email saying that tickets were coming to you and we were going to wait and see have those tri- tickets arrived. So have they got with you, Peter? Yes, Ben, Ian, the, the tickets arrived on Friday last week by Royal Mail and had to sign for them. So everything is hunky-dory. I'm a very happy bunny. Fantastic. Uh, and I thank you, you for your, your radio. Peter, remind help. us, what, what, are you going to, what are you going to watch? Um, well, my, my granddaughter is a para-athlete in South Africa. Hmm. And uh, she and her... My daughter and her husband and granddaughter are coming over to watch four athletics events and the opening and closing. Fantastic. The opening and closing. That'll be... uh... Yeah, well, I'll probably be going with them to those functions. Well, I should hope so as well, if you're the one getting the tickets. (laughs) (laughs) You would like to think so. (laughs) Yeah, but thank you very much for your help. And uh, obviously it gave somebody a nudge and... Things worked very well. Well, I, I, I was I said I was listening to this over the last um, uh, couple of weeks, and I, I was amazed by the vague did, or did summer twenty twelve. But it, it, it seemed like that they were concentrating on the Olympics tickets first, getting That's those right. out, and then kind of doing the, the para. When does the Paralympics start? Is it? It's, it's the, the end of August. It's the end of August. So there's still quite a while yeah. to go. Uh, and how how many um, events did you say you were going to go to, Peter? Um, Six events, and, you know, the opening, closing, and, and four Fantastic. of the athletics uh, track events. It's going to be awesome. I, I, I mentioned yesterday I was going to try and get some tickets for me and my boy to go to the Paralympics, and I forgot. So this afternoon I'm going to go online and see if I can get... Yeah, well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the system works very well. You haven't got any spare ones knocking around, <laughs> Peter? 
No, no, I'm not, I'm not putting them on the black market. <laughs> I'll give, give you a good price for them. <laughs> Peter, I get to do this. <laughs> Fantastic. There we go. It's, it's, it's a satisfied customer. Very, very little to do with me, but I am going to take some of that glory and some of that credit. Peter, do let us know how it goes on, and I hope you have a fantastic time. I'm sure Thank you will. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Take care. There we go. So, well, it, this this works. It does. It's good, isn't it? And we get and, and Peter gets to go and see the, the Paralympics. I, I'm I'm well excited about that. I, I, I'm kind of yeah. I, I must try and get some tickets because I tried yeah. to get tickets for the Olympics, uh, and they were just so expensive. My boy's two and a half, yeah. and he is not going to sit still for more than half an hour. So I'm not going to spend 75 quid on a, cu- a couple of pairs of tickets absolutely that's, that's understandable maybe when he gets a bit old well no when he's older it won't be here will have gone it there. won't be here right. ben, listen excellent work uh, thank you very much uh for that let's go to um paul hello paul hello good morning good morning paul what can i do for you um yeah i was just wondering whether there's any updates on the um the bus route fines that were charged by Hamill Council. Ah, now I'm aware of this story. This was, let, let me see if I've got this right, because again I've been, I've been uh, following this a little bit. This was um, the, 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 the people were fined for travelling in the bus, driving in the bus lane, and then it was found out that there weren't enough signs or the camera wasn't positioned correctly and That's everyone's, right, everyone's yeah. going to get a refund. Yeah. Well, you're That's listening, not, uh, you're listening yeah. to the Ben Nye show on uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> Let's go over to our host, Ben. Well, ben? The, the thing with this is, I know a lot about it because I almost caught out. I, I almost got caught out by this myself. Um, I was out reporting in Hemel, and, and I've I've done exactly the same as many other people. This bus lane came in new. I didn't know about it. I was about to drive up when some friendly person waved at me to say, "No, don't do it." So I right. drove off and, and found out all about it. But yes, the, the the bus lane fines. The last we heard was if you'd been issued with with a fine notice, a penalty charge notice, but hadn't paid it, then that would be wiped clear. You didn't have to worry about paying it and then being refunded again okay there wasn't any need for that however there are people who have paid the money and are yet to receive it's about ten thousand people or something isn't it uh it's, it's around about that margin uh, that's a lot of money well the, the council have said that they are getting in contact with people to to let them know and and to send them a refund um they also said that they should give it to charity i heard that i yeah. heard david Prever talking about that the other week that you should give the money to that you receive back to charity why why are they saying that i think that was maybe just a helpful suggestion that's uh, from bonkers <laughs> <laughs> no i will take my money back and i will spend it on food for my family paul have you been caught out by this then i actually got done twice in the same day once going into hamel um and then once coming out Ouch. Can, there's no, I mean, the parking signs were actually on the left-hand side of the road, about 200 yards before the turn. Yeah. Um, and when you're turning right, you don't actually look at the signs on the left. You normally have the signs on the right. Turn, but, but anyway, as I said, I got fined, I think it was £60. Pounds, well, one, well, in, one in, one out. And I've had no letters and no updates. I phoned them and I had a recorded message saying that, that we are sending letters out to everyone affected. No, that that's right. We were speaking ago, to the council. Happened. We were speaking to the council last month about this. They they were on our breakfast show talking about yeah. this. So we are aware of this issue. We're still coordinating with the council to see if we can get an answer for this. Last time we heard that we we heard that the council were looking to get in contact with with with. Um, I think the thing with with these kind of things is councils are always slow anyway uh, when they, when it comes to dealing with issues and, and sorting things out. And when they've got ten thousand, well, yeah, they do that quick enough. You're right. But when they've got ten thousand 
thousand people or thereabouts to to sort out and and approach. I, I, I think it's going to take a long time. I think Paul, keep at them, keep in touch with them, make sure they don't forget you, uh, and it will happen. Uh, but it just might take some time. Yeah. Let us know if you hear anything. We've only got to December. That's why I'm a little bit worried. Okay. Let it, well, let, let us know how it goes if uh, if uh, you can do that. There we go. Now, uh, um, oh, I think it's time that um, yes. If you want to give us a call, you can. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. I think if I put this down here, I should be able to speak to Nick Coffer. Hello, Nick. Are you there? Oh no, Nick's coming in here. I see what's happening. Is it? There's all this slight confusion because Nick's show is now starting at twelve o'clock, which is very very exciting. And uh, I get to do the handovers with him, and I'm never sure if he's going to do it from the other studio or from here, so it's all, uh, it's all very exciting. I get the benefit of having Nick Coffer sitting in this... Come in, Nick! We're just talking about you. I wasn't sure where you were coming from. I floated in. You floated in, and it's lovely to see you. You're wearing a very smart jersey. Thank you very much indeed. Now, wait, hang on. Jumper, you're, still you're, for the summer. I know. It's, 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 summer happened yesterday. That was it. It's gone. It's gone. Ian Lee, I have seen you wearing both a velvet blazer, a cardigan, a shirt and a vest, even when it was 22 degrees last week. It's, um, it's a corduroy blazer, I'll have yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was cold when I got up in the morning. Yeah. And then it was really, oh, really hot. It's behind your chair. Yeah, sir. I you, bought it and thought, oh, I look really cool. No, I look like I'm nearly 40. No, no, what you were clearly doing was you were putting sartorial elegance ahead of comfort because it just wasn't sensible. Yeah. But I look good, didn't I? Yeah. Hey, what's coming up on your show today, uh, Nick? Lots. Uh, we've got, we've got a, a bonk buster for you. I don't want to know what that is. <laughs> a bonk buster. It's a summer book. Uh, oh, full OK. Of, full of lots of uh, interesting stories. Victoria Fox, she was brought up in, uh, in Buckinghamshire. Her book is called Temptation Island. She's here to talk to me is about... It- is it raunchy? Uh, it is in parts. Um, it's uh, it's more sort of Jackie Collins raunchy than Fifty Shades of Grey raunchy. Okay, okay. Um, it's, a, it's a beach read. Financial advice. Yes, please. After, yes, after one o'clock. Rory Joseph is coming in. He is here to advise you on anything ranging from mortgages, savings, ISAs, loans, debt, insurance, banks, anything relating to your money, or well, your money, or... I've got none. Yeah. Um, you can get your calls in early. 08459 He's a very nice guy, and he knows his stuff. So if you've got any financial concerns, wondering, uh, especially in the current context, where to, where to put your money, where to get your best savings yep. rates, Rory will have advice for you. And uh, we're talking about the benefits of herbal teas and tisans, not with Rory, although we might give him... What's a, a tisan? Tisan is a posh word for herbal tea. I like Roy Bosch. Really? Yeah. What does, some, it, what does it do for you? Uh, well, it's naturally caffeine-free, and doesn't do anything apart from that. Makes me wee a lot. Is that a good? It's probably a good reason to use it. The thing is with with those herbal teas is yeah. that you know there's a part of it which is oh you know it's all a load of rubbish, but also I know things like mint tea make me sort of feel you know comfortable in my tummy chamomile tea <laughs> makes me feel relaxed I comfortable in my tummy i was just trying to say it's, it's it's good for you know tummy cramps and stuff nick thank you very much that's at midday anything else uh lots no doubt but uh, that'll be all for now i, sh- I shall be having a little listen nice to see you thank you very much thank you very Ta-ta. much uh, that's nick who's on at 12 it's well worth a listen I, I i i think you'll enjoy it now back to the consumer updates thank you nick telling me how to run the studio thank you uh, thank you very much. Now, uh, Jim told us he'd organised to have his bathroom window replaced. It was going to cost £585, which included uh, a £100 cost for a surveyor to visit. About two weeks later, I received a phone call from the surveyor to arrange a visit. He has suggested Wednesday the 13th of June at uh, 3 o'clock, to which I agreed. It didn't arrive. It didn't arrive at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. 
I wrote a letter to the company to cancel the arrangement. I then received a letter from the company saying they acknowledged my cancellation, which had passed to the office. Am I sensing they won't give you your deposit back? That's right. Jim's on the line. Jim, so th- we, we have established that the money is coming back to you at some point. Yes, they are going to refund that. They sent a very nice uh, uh, email to Jonathan um, apologising and saying that they were going to send you the money. Yeah. Have you received the money yet? Nothing at all. Really? The post has already been this morning. Nothing there. Uh, And are they going to be sending you a cheque or are they going to pay it straight into your bank account? I've no idea. They haven't contacted me at all. These things are usually... how How did you pay the money initially? I gave them a check. You gave them a check, so they may give you a check back. Uh, w- would it be possible, Jim, for you to check your bank account at some point today? I checked them this morning. Nothing. I checked them yesterday and the day before. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. All right. Well, listen. I, I, I spoke to the company yesterday. Right. Um, the person who I need needed to deal with was not in, but I was told if I sent an email, it would be they would reply to me yesterday. They didn't, so I'm going to send another email today. Yes. Um, and I will give them a phone call on Wednesday when I've been told that the person will be in. But I'm going to send them a firm email today. Right. And then I will give them a phone call on Wednesday. And I'm really hoping that Wednesday I get a definite date for when your money's going to be paid into your account. Super. I'm sorry to keep dragging this out. And I want this, I want this to be a success. It's going to be a success. It's just finding out when. I'm, I'm confident that by Wednesday I will have a date for you. That's great. Jim, you're very patient. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll speak to you on Wednesday and we'll be able to play that fanfare again. It's time for Eric Clapton. If you've got a consumer problem, uh, you can give us a call. It will be good to hear from you. We'd like to know what it is. And hopefully we can help. But I'm going to be firm with that window company. I'm going to be very firm. You're listening to Ian Lee filling in for JVS. It's the Consumer Hour. Now, Stuart recently purchased a second-hand motorhome. He's discovered that there are issues with damp in the flooring of the vehicle. This is a well-known problem. Um, you know, there's been cases of people putting their foot through the floors and steps falling off and all sorts of things. How old was the motorhome when you bought it? It's just four years old. And how much did you pay for it? Uh, just north of 40000 Ouch. Now, the cost of repairing the problem will be £1,500, but Stuart doesn't have a contract with the manufacturer as he bought it privately second-hand. We'll be getting an update on that. But first now, it's time for the travel news. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, this is Ian Lee filling in for JVS on uh, now it's the Consumer Hour. Let's go to a new consumer problem we've got with Richard. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much. I, I, I'm OK. Well, what's, your, what's your story? Uh, tell me your problems without mentioning any company names or brand names or anything like that. OK, yeah, basically, um, uh, last March, my wife bought me a digital camera um, that was close on £100, um, yep. and I went to use it recently, and the lens had um, stayed out of the body. It wouldn't actually go back in. It's a uh, compact digital camera. Yep. Um, now, I went to speak to the retailer because um, it was out of the warranty by um, two or three months. And basically, they said to me, because it was out of the warranty, I've got to go to the manufacturer about it. Um, I'd emailed the manufacturer and said, well, no, the retailer um, imports directly from the manufacturer. And that's down to them to honour the, any agreement that's made. Um, basically, you know, just being pushed around in circles over it. Um, the main point is, obviously, the retail eventually has said um, that they flatly refused to do anything about it, that, that I've got to pay for it. 
um, because it is out of the three-month warranty, which obviously I, I expected initially anyway, but as a gesture of as well, um, it was a case of what could they actually do for me. So, hang on, you got this camera over a year ago, and you didn't use it in that year? Um, well, it was actually, yeah, I mean, it was literally um, birthdays um, and holidays, so it wasn't used extensively. So you, like, you had you had used it, you you hadn't taken it out of the packaging? Sorry. Oh, it had been, yeah, it was taken out of the packaging, but it was just used on very rare occasions. It wasn't used, like, every day. Yeah. Uh, and so let me get this right. This, the lens, the bit, with, with these little digital cameras, when you turn it on, the lens kind of comes out, doesn't it? That's correct, yeah. And it, it, it wouldn't come out anymore? Well, it's out, but it won't go back in. It won't go back in. And it won't, obviously won't use, you know, you can't take any photos with it or anything. The, the, the lens is out. Now, I've researched on the internet, and basically what, what it's saying is, like, it's, it's um, a motor that's, that's gone wrong, if you like. Right, OK. Now... These things are fiddly... And yeah. uh, I, I, I had well anyway. Let's go to Ben. This this yeah. um, th- th- it sounds like a mixed thing because he has used it yeah. and it is out of the warranty. Yes, well, warranty is one of those things. Uh, Jonathan <coughs> often will say warranty is more or less. It doesn't matter. The big thing with this is, does the product last a reasonable amount of time yep. for the price you've paid? So what we need to yep. determine is is what a year and three months. That's how long you've owned this camera. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So, a year and three months, is that a reasonable amount of usage from a digital camera that's worth just shy of £100? And that's what we need to determine. Okay. I would say no. Well, well, that's what we need to see. And, you know, we need to look at the... Because that's what, um, you, know, if it, you know, let's say it was escalated to a small claims court, that's what they'd look at. That, right, OK. That's what people look at when it comes to these sorts of things. So we need to have a look at the broad, broad range of things because there are digital cameras that do cost more yeah, than yeah. £100. So... But but not but hundred pounds is a lot of money though Ben. It's, I know there are cameras you get cameras two three five hundred pounds, but hundred pounds is still a lot of money to pay for for a camera. You would expect it to last more than a year, wouldn't you? Well, this is, I think this is what we can put to the retailer because the, the manufacturer is right in 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 the sense that you have uh, a contract with the retailer. You should be dealing with the retailer. Um, so we'll we'll go to the retailer, find out what's going on here, and see if we can get a response. Um, so you say you haven't used the camera too much then. No, it's, you know, I mean, it's literally birthdays and, and holidays. And Richard, can I ask, yeah. you, a, can I ask you a question? You, yeah. ha- you haven't dropped it, have you? No. There's been no, no bumps or, or, or knocks or anything like that? No. Okay. I mean, you know, what they said to me was, we'd have to, they'd have to take it back and determine whether it was, you know, fail use or whatever, which isn't an issue, you know, but it's a case that well, you're going to have to pay for it, and it was just flatly refused, and not, you know, like the gentleman said, at the end of the day, fair use, it's not a disposable camera that's been brought. Richard, what are you doing without a camera? Have you got birthdays that are going unphotographed? Have um, you got holidays that are going... You're not going to remember them, are you? Have you, have you got... No, I've got Charles Sports Day um, coming up. Um, oh. I also do a fair bit for charity, um, of which I'm trying to do some stuff, and, and I haven't got one. You know, and using, using the camera on your phone is not, not the same. It's not, no. Oh. It isn't the same, and it is frustrating. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, we just had someone call. Was that a call or a text? I'm not sure. Saying uh, Steve, who uh, called to say he bought a camera for £79 three years ago and it still works. It should work 90 quid. It should work over a year later. Exactly. Richard, listen, we will, um, we will, and it's, it's the, the retailer that we go to, Ben, not yes. the manufacturer. That's our point of contact. We'll is speak it? to the retailer initially. It may be necessary to speak to the manufacturer okay. to find out what's going on, on here to see if it's a manufacturer's fault 
it. But we'll have to have a look. If, if we initially speak to the retailer, that's where we should start. Richard, again, without mentioning any... I don't want to know any names or the brand or anything. Have you looked online to see if this is a common problem with this particular camera? Um, it's not a common problem that I've, that I've looked at. Okay. Um, all I know is what I've looked at is okay. the fact that it's a motor that's broken. Richard, leave it with us. We will uh, have a little uh, look into that and, and uh, see what we can find. Ben, I'm, I'm very, you're, you're very good at this. Thank you very much. <laughs> I feel very, very good at this. <laughs> uh, this is Ian Lee. I'm a, I'm a guest on Ben's show uh, today. I'm filling in for JVS and uh, we're sorting out, we're doing our best to sort out your consumer issues. We'll have more after this. Amen Corner. Uh, that was Amen Corner, if paradise is half as nice. Now, we just spoke to, uh, to Richard, uh, who was having a problem with his camera, and we're going to look into that. But we've got Charlie on the line. Good morning, Charlie. Oh, good morning. Uh, good, well, Charlie, well, you, you, you've got some advice or something. What, what, what can you contribute? Uh, well, uh, I'll show you a lady friend. I've got three... She's no friend of mine. <laughs> well, three digital cameras, actually, if he wants to borrow one for... until he's repaired. You've got three cameras and you're prepared to yeah. lend a stranger a camera? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I've got a Pratica. Well, uh, Sony yeah, and, uh, all DVD excellent, one. all excellent, excellent cameras. Well, Charlie, listen, that, that's very, very kind of you. This, I feel like um, uh, Keith Chegwin on Swap Shop now. Uh, that's very, very kind of you. Uh, yeah. I will hand you back to my um, excellent team, and they will sort out the logistics. And if Richard is up for that, then I'm, I'm sure that will be a wonderful and a very generous thing to do. Do you often lend out your cameras to strangers, Charlie? Uh, no, but he's uh, he's been on your show, so he's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've not heard some of the the dodge pots we've had on here uh, charlie that's very very kind and very generous i'll i'll hand you back and uh, richard will if you want to borrow a camera there's a camera on offer for you aren't people nice every now and then someone will do something that you go actually people aren't quite so bad it's not such a bad world you get nice people like charlie who's going to lend lend someone he's never met a camera so he can take pictures of sports days and stuff like that well done now Stuart recently purchased a second-hand motorhome. He's discovered that there are issues with damp in the flooring of the vehicle. This is a well-known problem. Um, you know, there's been cases of people putting their foot through the floors and steps falling off and all sorts of things. How old was the motorhome when you bought it? It's just four years old. And how much did you pay for it? Uh, just north of 40000 Well, you paid £40,000 second-hand? Yes, I mean, new. There are this, this particular model, new... It's their flagship model. It would be around about £72,000 today. Uh, I share Jonathan's incredulity there. It sounds like a lot of money. Um, we've got Stuart on the line. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Ian. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fine. Uh, this mo- £40,000 for a motorhome is incredible. Is it one of the top sort of luxury ones? Well, as I said in the, the previous interview, it is their flagship model. It sounds fantastic. It, it, it does sound like a great thing, but you, you're having problems with it. Uh, ben has been dealing with this, I think. Ben, what's where are we with this? Well, yeah, we've been coordinating with the manufacturer of this right. um, of this specific um, uh, specific rather rather than Pacific um, specific um, uh, motorhome. And this will cost um, fifteen hundred pounds to get this repaired. That's correct. Yeah, we, we've been coordinating them uh, about this case. They said when they deal with with all of these cases, they look at them on an individual basis. They look at, at each one individually and there are certain things they take into account such as a service history Mm. now they've been looking at the records for this specific uh, motorhome and uh, they didn't have any record of there being a service history so uh, Stuart uh, can I firstly check this has been serviced at regular intervals has it it has been yes and I have the service history with the vehicle and I explained all this to them in the letter that was sent to them I sent them a very very comprehensive letter which you've Mm. seen Ben explaining that I had a full service history for the vehicle which they've completely and utterly ignored. 
Oh, well, they have indicated that they just need uh, some proof of that, so um, and uh, a photocopy of some kind. Mm-hmm. If you could photocopy maybe the service book, I think that would go a long way in terms of proving that you've got that service history. Sure, I understand that context of their argument now, but you've seen the, in- the initial reply letter from them. And that reply letter was full and final. There was no, you know, there wasn't any room for manoeuvre in that. And now I've received a letter from them yesterday, as you indicated I would. Mm. Um, and this letter is just incredible. Um, it basically says, further to our communication, that I would like to confirm that I have liaised with Ben from the BBC Three Counties uh, consumer programme in relation to the issue that you are currently experiencing with the floor of your motorhome. Mm. To assist you further, please, please can you send copies of the service records? That is it. Okay. Now, you saw the original letter that, that, that came back. Did you see any room for well, movement in that letter? Well, regardless of what the, the previous letter was, in, in terms of our involvement with the company now, they are, they are saying that they'd like to see um, the service history. So, let, so let's put that to one side. What I think we need to do moving forward is get those copies of the service history over over to them so they can have a look at that and, and kind of have that for their records because obviously they need to see that. Moving forward, then we can get the repairs done. Um, uh, you indicated before that you were... Uh, have, you, have you got the, the, the repairs done already? Or? The repairs have already been finalised. We picked the vehicle up from the repairers on Friday. But as I communicate to you on the phone, I mean, we live in a very damp climate at the moment. Everybody mm. knows that. This has got, you know, a very serious issue with damp in the floor. The decision is made, you either leave it to get worse or you, you know, you stop it in its tracks and, and, and repair it. Now, and I come back to this letter that I received from Swift, which was absolutely final, saying that, sorry, we're not interested in the slides. Stuart, can I, can I interrupt? I, 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 I agree with Ben. I think we should kind of put that letter to, to one side. The, the last communication they've sent with you is, sounds a little bit more promising and a little bit more um, the, uh, uh, open, perhaps, in that they are asking for the service history. I'm assuming it's like a car, is it? You have a service history and it gets stamped right, by yeah, it and they yeah. date it and stuff like that. If you can get a photocopy or a scan of that... I've got them all. I've got them no problem. I'm going to bring this this lady this afternoon and uh, and arrange for to get them up to her on email so that will Excellent. be done by the end of the week well that's 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 great we can do that as soon as possible that's a big positive step yes I, I think moving forward let, let's see what the response is on that and then and then move forward i think regardless of anything else let's just move forward with this and see where we get so um Stuart, let us know when you sent over those details and um and, and we'll we'll see when they get them we'll have a chat with them and see what what they what their statement is okay well I'll, I'll cct you you in anyway ben i've still got your email address that's i'll come over to you as well and you can see for yourself that's fine and then you know if you look at those those check sheets which have come from the the actual service agent Hmm. and then back to my original letter and you'll be able to see where i state in the original letter that the problem that's affecting this motorhome is not even on the check sheets it's not an item to be checked well, I think they're just checking, you know, with, with, any, with any kind of car, you know, when, when I own a, a vehicle, they, they want to see a full service history regardless. Mm. Um, so I think it's just making sure that they're going through the proper procedures. And like, like they said, they deal with each case on a one-to-one basis. So in terms of this case, they're going to have a look at the service history and look at it on its individual merits. So until they come back to us having seen the service history, we've got to wait until that response. So Stuart, phone them up today, get the email address if you can, send it to them today if you can so we can get this moving as quickly as possible um, and uh, we will chase it up in a few days and see what, what their response is going to be. Okay. Stuart, thank you very much. Take care, thank Bye-bye. you. Now, Stuart sounded frustrated there, and I kind of share his frustration with these things because these things, especially when there's a lot of money involved like that and 1,500 quid, you know, it's not chicken feed, is it? These things can drag on and on and when you can see 
that you are in the right. Um, I'm not saying that Stuart necessarily is. We need to get the full story of this. But when you feel that you are in the right and it's just dragging on and on and on, it's so frustrating, isn't it? Isn't it frustrating? But you have to keep on. This is the thing I've learned as I'm getting older and older is you have to keep on and you have to keep fighting the fight. And we will find out maybe later in the week what is uh, the latest on that. Now... Frank went on a nine-day cruise in April. He told uh, Jonathan that when he and his wife arrived at the airport, their taxis didn't turn up, and that when they left the taxis again, uh, when they left, sorry, the taxis again weren't booked. Not only this, but when they got on the boat, a man came into their room in the middle of the night. I've since got a letter from him apologising and saying, we'll give you £62 for all the inconveniences on board spend. And I wrote back and said, well... I don't intend to take another cruise, so, um, you know, it's a bit out of order. So, I've got to spend it on there. So, so if they were to give you the £62 in cash, would you be happy with that? Yes, that's what I wrote. That okay. Weeks ago, I never wrote back. Now, this offer, of course, isn't of much use to you, Frank. You want the money, don't you? Yes, indeed. Uh, can I just ask, because I, I did hear bits of this story, but I missed some of it. A man came into your room in the middle of the night? Yeah, he was drunk, and um, oh, he was dear. four floors below me. And um, he came in at midnight, and I couldn't find the light switch. And when I found it, he was standing by my wife's bed. So I jumped out of bed, pulled a muscle in my back. Oh, blimey. Tried to push him out, and he insisted it was his cabin. One of my most embarrassing moments in my life was being um, on holiday with my wife in Greece. Uh, and we were on a Greek island, and we were staying in a little complex of sort of apartments. And I burst into the apartment going, you're all under arrest. I thought, this apartment looks a little bit different. I'd, I'd, I'd wandered into somebody else's room. Totally somebody else's room. And the man looked up and went, sorry, what have I done? I went, oh, I'm so sorry. And I dashed out. It was awful. Uh, but that's by the by. Uh, ben. <laughs> I, I can't match that story. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't want you to either. Where, where are we with this? Well, yeah, we've been coordinating with the, with the cruise liner in this case. Um, I know, Frank, you've had some correspondence with them. So we went back to them and said, look. Uh, Frank has mentioned that it's unlikely he's going to be going on another cruise. Um, and when they offered some onboard credit, he, Frank didn't feel that was, you know, it, it's not for him. He's not going to be going on another cruise. That isn't, that isn't very helpful. So we said, look, is there anything you can do? Could you maybe make this out in cash instead rather than your onboard credit? Yeah. They've confirmed that they will um, change the, uh, the, the money to cash rather than onboard credit. And the check will be with Frank in two weeks fantastic what they also said was they were looking at this booking they said that they, they that he booked it as a cruise only itinerary which means he needs to address the issue of transfers with the travel agent they arranged um the the, the taxis from the airport to okay. the boat and back um independently of the cruise line so they say they've informed you about that frank is that right they have yeah lovely okay so well for starters 62 pound check is on should be on its way to you so that should be with you very soon are you happy frank with that I am, yeah, but the, the cruise lines have refused, not the cruise line, the agent has refused to answer two letters, I cut, they won't speak to me, and they owe me €38. Euro. Okay, well, I think that's the next step then. That, that's, that's, we'll, we'll, we'll coordinate with the travel agent and find out what's, what's happened with those transfers and, and see if we can get an answer on that. So there's still more work to do on this case, but I think for the minute, I think, I think personally... I think the cruise liner deserved the horn. The, the, ho- the horn is going to go to the cruise liner. There we go. But there is still a horn in the wings. There is. For the travel agents. 
Um, and we we will. Were you going to chase that, Ben? Will you be able to? We'll be chasing that up. Pursue yes. that, Frank. Are you sure you don't? Is this the last of your cruise lining uh, activities? You won't be holidaying on a cruise line or any any. Oh. I might consider going straight from Southampton. It's the logistics that are the problem, you know. They expect me to get off of the boat and wait for nine hours mm. at the airport mm. to sit in a bell. Mm. See, I've never been on a cruise, so... I the cruise doesn't appeal to me, because of the thought of... Be- Supposing you're on a cruise, uh, Frank, and you're stuck with a load of people you don't like. Oh, we've met some lovely people on there. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah, we've even been down and stayed a weekend with some of them. As- aside from the person who came into your room at night, obviously. Oh, he, him, yeah. yeah he, uh, <laughs> about to be a Frenchman. Um. Would, would, would be, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> Frank, can I ask you to say something for me? Certainly. Can you say you're only supposed to blow the blooming doors off? You're only supposed to blow the blooming doors off. He sounds like Michael Caine, doesn't he? There's a hint of a Michael Caine in there. Uh, anyone ever said that before to you, Frank? No, I've been, been told I... I'm like an Australian. <laughs> We're going all around the world with you. Frank, listen, leave that with us. We, we've, we've got you some of the money, but that's fantastic. And Ben is going to have a word with the travel agents and we'll see where we get with that. Is that OK? Yeah, not a lot of people know that. <laughs> <laughs> you cheeky little sausage juice. Thank you very much for that. Now, next Sunday, the Olympic torch continues its journey across the three counties. It's an early start in Bedford as it, as it makes its way onto Cotton End and then to Letchworth Garden City. From Stevenage, it goes on to Welling Garden City and Hatfield. And after St Albans, it travels through Hemel Hempstead and on to Luton. We'll also be bringing you the sights and sounds from the Luton International Carnival. And every step of the way, we'll be there. We are your Olympic station, BBC Three Counties Radio. That's a nice song, isn't it? I wouldn't have a clue how to say her last name. Soraya? Charlene Soraya? That sounds about right, doesn't it? It'll do. She won't know that I've got it completely wrong wherever you will go. This has been Ian Lee uh, filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. And uh, I've got to say a big thank you to everybody who's been quite generous in talking to me. And not, it's, I know what it's like. When you listen to your show and you've got a favourite show and then that person goes away for a week, um, then it gets... Uh, you, you get a little bit uncomfortable when you hear someone who's not your normal voice and you think, well, hang on a second, but you've all been very kind and uh, you've been phoning in and talking to me, so that's something. That's good news. Uh, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it and we'll, we'll continue to enjoy it as well, hopefully tomorrow. Time now to get uh, a little bit of the travel. Oh, that was a sudden stop there. Uh, and on tomorrow's show, uh, I'm going to be meeting... No, this sounds fascinating. We've all wanted to do this, haven't we? I'm going to be meeting Lisa from Hertfordshire, who, after two and a half years of hell from a group of under-16s, she's managed to work with her neighbours to get a curfew imposed on her street. She'll be on, coming in tomorrow to talk about... We've all wanted to do that, haven't we? There's all little... I don't, as I get older, I get grumpier. I think that's a, a, a natural progression that we all make. And I look out of my window. I'm now the grumpy old man looking out of the window at the kids going past on their skateboards and, and making noises. I stopped some little thugs breaking into a, a, a garage on my street the other week. I drove past them late at night and they were obviously up to shenanigans. Uh, I went in and watched them from the window, from behind the curtains. I was having a little peek. <laughs> I thought, I don't want to get too involved. And they were doing something that was obviously naughty. So I turned on all the lights in my house and went out in the street. And so the light was flooding out into the street. Pretended I was on the telephone phone to the police by holding my phone up to my ear and made big sort of pointing gestures and they saw me and they naffed off probably not the most sensible thing to do i made sure that i was could easily get back into my house before they approached me but we'll be speaking to lisa uh, tomorrow and finding out her story and hearing your stories as well time for this though time now to get the latest news and after that it'll be nick coffer taking you through the afternoon this has been ian lee thank you very much